Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. It's Sports Yak. At Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. And our friends really friends if you don't know them. So grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room. For more movie friends. So sit back. Relax. And enjoy the show. Welcome. 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 To the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Civ Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by two Civ Pop Writers. We got Jake coming back. Hello. Uh, and for the first time ever uh, on any podcast, uh, I'm joined by Civ Pop Writer Nick. I'll try and do my best Obi Wan compression. Hello there. Obi. <laughs> we write for SivPop.com. We do movie reviews, best ever challenges, and lots of other movie related articles. Uh, also, TV articles and a uh, video game article coming out soon. Alex is going to do Guardians of the Galaxy review. Uh, really excited to read that. Um, yeah, best ever challenge stuff, all that. Uh, lots of good stuff uh, on the website. So make sure to go to website SivPop.com uh, to keep up with all that. Uh, but on the show this today, we're going to talk about um, uh, two coming attractions. We got Marvel's The Eternals and Finch coming out this week. Um, that's Apple TV Plus movie. Um, uh, well, we're done talking about those. We'll move on to our SIF topics. Uh, and, SIF topic, there's only one. Uh, but we'll talk about two movies from a little bit of nostalgia uh, point of view. Uh, we got Spy Kids, the original, and First Kid. The 1996 Disney movie that I'm pretty sure I was the only person that remembered until a couple weeks ago when when Nick was like, oh, is that that Sinbad movie? It's like, yes, that is. Uh, there were two of us who remembered. And I was I was affirmed. <laughs> um, uh, and then we'll talk about the B plot. We thought, look, since there's already spy plot, spy stuff going on, let's talk about our favorite spy movies. Uh, and we'll do this spinoff. Uh, quick recommender warn from each one of us. Uh, but first... Got to get a chance to know our writers. Jake, I'm going to ask you first, since you've been on the show before, uh, and you get a chance to um, um, you get a chance to, to re-answer these questions. Uh, but when did you realize that movies are kind of your thing? Yeah. Um, so I think I always had a thing for movies. I think we probably went as a family to the movies um, sort of more than average. But... Um, it was really when I got to college, you know, went to Iowa, big party school, whoop, whoop. not my scene. So I'm like, eh, might as well take the bus over to the mall and watch more movies. So um, not to be stereotypical, but, you know, college, I got Netflix, started going to the theaters more. And that's where I sort of really sort of developed my taste and uh my passion uh for film man you remember when netflix was like the only like video on demand free like streaming subscription and like yes and they had stuff why and they had stuff that wasn't their originals and it was just like you know Uh, most movies you could just watch and now it's like you gotta it's like is it on stars or hbo or showtime or well i'm gonna show my age here did you guys (laughs) get netflix on disc for the first time or a streaming I did it streaming, but I had a friend who 
was a Netflix, Netflix disc subscriber. I so, had the discs for and my, a long time. And my movie collection really started when our blockbuster went out of business. So <laughs> that was sort of the base of my movie collection starting. Uh, so, I, I, got, I even got Netflix. I was late to the party for Netflix still. but uh, So it was still streaming, but it was like, you know, there, there had already been competition by that point. So um, I was a little bit late to the party, but... You know, we I owned movies. I bought them. I still do. I'm the same way. We we did the Blockbuster for a while, and we really liked how they had the online, and you could take your online disc into the store and trade it in for a disc in the store, and then we would just get another one online, and and then Netflix just came and just trashed them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they would have been gone by now anyway. Um, right. I mean, even Family Video is gone now, and they probably would have been gone if Blockbuster was still competing with them, but... Um, you know, who knows? Alternate realities, right? Um, um, so Jake, remind us, what's your favorite movie and really what makes that movie something special to you? Yeah. Uh, Silence of the Lambs, which, which got me an odd reaction last time. Cause it's, it's I totally weird. forgot. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's weird. Cause I'm like, not a horror big horror fan like most of the people at Sif Pop. I'm not huge. There's a few in my top 100. I'm not going to do the genre police, whether it's horror or thriller, but like I just it's the tension is fantastic mm -hmm. and um, I just think what puts it over the top for me is that Anthony Hopkins performance is just so great yeah obviously it's one of the best performances of all time and it's the reason like i like the other two in the series like i know hannibal's sort of mixed but he's just so great in that character i can enjoy any of those movies and silence of the lambs is just one of the best especially because you have jodie foster um playing off him and as great as Jessica Moore and uh, Edward Norton is, they just can't hold a candle. Jodie Foster, the back and forth those two have is just spectacular. I love it. Yeah, I haven't seen Hannibal or Red Dragon and I DVR'd the, the Clarice series that I haven't seen it either. But... Oh, you gotta watch Red Dragon at least. Yeah, I'm... and the it's not as good as like the Hannibal series as far as TV Oh yeah, that's on my queue too. <laughs> yeah. Mine too. But I I liked Clarice. Like it took me a couple episodes to get but to get into, but and it's very much a procedural and but I really oh. I mean, I'm just sad because they announced that season two of Clarice is going to be a Paramount Plus exclusive. And it's like, who is going to be paying for Paramount Plus in a year? Literally I will, I will if, if Star Trek is on, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah, and I will buy it for one month, binge Clarice, and get rid of it. So, <laughs> that's fair. Because I am interested in seeing where they go in season two, but that's the only interest I'd have. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not a big Trekkie, and... I want to love Lower Decks, and I just don't, so... Oh, you, you, you hurt my soul a little. And look, I'm, I'm I understand. Sorry. I understand. It's Honestly, like... if you haven't watched all the homework for Star Trek, then I understand not liking Lower Decks, because it really is a... Here's, here's 
every joke we could possibly make about the franchise as a whole. Well, but it also feels like it also feels like what Rick and Morty always started off as. And I've been pretty vocal on the podcast recently. I really kind of hate Rick and Morty at this point, but I love those first couple seasons. Uh, yeah, and I feel like I Star Trek. I'm not a huge fan of the second half of the new season. I, f- I feel like the Star Trek Lower Decks is kind of more towards like what Rick and Morty wanted to be at the, at the beginning. Mm. And then realized, oh, people like when we go super nerdy and all that. So let's just do that. And yeah. Anyway, I think when um, Lower Decks beats out Rick and Morty is that the like Rick and Morty is always trying to do that that emotional fake heart thing where it's like I'm not emotionally connected to you guys, so I don't I don't feel that. But Lower Decks they they can put aside the jokes and actually do the Star Trek series. They could do they could be if you took all the jokes out, it would actually be a pretty good Star Trek show. And yeah, they yeah. have that emotion there that that plays. I actually got teary eyed a couple of times during the finale of this season. So, I like I said, it it really is. A, it's a show for people who know their Trek. But I totally get it if someone doesn't like it because it's a lot. I think I am going to check out season two. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. But uh, maybe because you know it's season one. It's usually usually season ones are some of the weakest seasons but if you didn't like season one i don't think there's going to be much for you there in season no, two, i liked honestly. season one i just didn't love it okay. like i liked it you know um anyway nick when did you realize that like movies are your thing Ah, uh, geez when i was a kid we would watch i mean we had a pretty strict upbringing lots of kid shows movies that sort of thing um Kids, Star Wars back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I was in high school when Spy Kids came out, so that was not me. But uh, we like Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Goonies, Back to the Future. Like we had those on the house and repeat. And uh, I remember one t- year, I think it was in first or second grade, my mom came and picked me up from school early, and I was like, "What? Why are you here?" And uh, she's just like, "Just get in the car." I was like, all right. And we, we drove to the movie theater and she took me to see a movie. And I was like, this is amazing. But uh, it wasn't until college when I really like discovered, like, did you know that movies were R-rated? And they had like serious <gasps> topics. Like, Heaven forbid. Like, like the, one of the very first movies I actually saw, funny enough, is Silence of the Lambs. And I was just like, <laughs> what is this? And I just, I fell in love. And like my buddy loaned me a whole bunch of movies like, American History X and American Psycho, Die Hard. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I had no idea movies could be like this. And uh, it just it kind of sprung up from there. Yeah. And what you, you it was it you you commented yesterday in Slack, right? And you like we're talking about the, the alternate ending to Die Hard 3. I got another supporter. I had no idea that there was an alternate ending to Die Hard 3. I have it on DVD, but like back when I got it, I wasn't big into watching like deleted stuff or the extras. And so I had no idea. And you said it and I watched it on YouTube, right? I, I paused the podcast. I watched it on YouTube and I'm like, this is awesome. It's perfect. It really um, was. Yeah. I'm not normally a like behind the scenes special features kind of guy. I, I like the idea of having them. I just would rather dedicate my time to a movie than the special features. Um, other than your, you know, Inception, where it's like, I got to see how they did this. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, or your, like, Taika Waititi commentaries or whatever. But still, I I've just, been like... really enjoying the uh, Assembled on uh, Disney Plus because they've been doing oh, like, yeah. all the, like, Black Widow, Loki, mm-hmm. WandaVision. Those are so much fun just to see how they, they did all the behind the scenes stuff. Well, and oh, the Disney Gallery Mandalorian is, like, honestly, oh. some of the best TV in a while. Like, 
Heard that that what do they call Fantastic. it? The that giant dome that they do yeah, it yeah, in. Yeah. The, the, the volume. Spread. They call it the, the volume. volume. And uh, I I just I stare at it and just I'm blown away by the technology. Like it's it's so cool. Yeah. Uh, so Nick, what do you identify as your favorite movie? Well, I gotta say I am uh, pretty basic. It's The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Okay. I, I, I kind of do the thing that uh, Dicer does with The Lord of the Rings where I count them all as like the, the original trilogy is just Oh, like, I don't think that, you can that's do my, that at all. That's my favorite. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I understand why you do that, but they are they were very clearly oh, had no, no battle plan where they were going after a new home. I know. I think you can count I, the prequels as one. I think that's a fair yeah. argument. Mm. Um, I yeah, no, you probably like this, could. There's a really solid through line through the prequels, but like you yeah. know that Luke and Leia being brother and sister was an afterthought. That was yeah, no, that was an afterthought. But the thing is, I I just I I love them so much that yeah. it it's kind of like a one A one B one C situation. That's fair. But That's and, fair, yeah. at the end of the day, Empire is my favorite because it was we used to watch them like on repeat, and then there was a few years in like high school, college when the prequels came out that 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 all I watched was the prequels, and then it had been a few years since I had seen the original trilogy back to back. So I was like, I'm going to do a full series run through. And I made the mistake of doing the prequels first. So I was like completely zonked out by the time I was at revenge of the Sith, but I watched a new hope and then empire back to back one night and just empire just floored me. I, I had never really, really watched it like I had when I was a kid. And so to see it with like adult eyes was just, it was transcendent for me. I like, and then I, I, I'm a huge expanded universe fan. So I read all the books and just the way that they tie the force into the stuff that Yoda says. And then the way they do it in the books, it just, it was just chef kiss. I love it. It's my favorite one. Nice. Yeah. The empire also benefits for me uh, by the fact that like, as far as the special editions go, that one sort of gets touched the least yeah yes. so when you there's no weird java in episode four and some of the weird stuff they add in episode yeah there's no six. there's no musical number randomly added. right yeah well no there's a musical number but it's in jedi there's it's different musical number it's right, not right, as right. intense i <laughs> actually was lucky enough i was working at walmart when uh they did the 2004 re-edits and they they updated a few more things, but they also included the unedited uh, original theatrical versions with each version of the discs. Hmm. So I have them all. I mean, they look grainy and they're terrible looking. They didn't up-res them at all, but it's the original uncut versions of the movies on DVD, and it's probably the best we're going to get for a long time. Yeah, I would love if Disney did it, but it sounds like they have no intention on releasing the originals uh, upscaled. I don't know why they like throwing away money like that. I don't know. Look, they could they could (laughs) easily make bank, especially now that everybody's bought that for the 4K collection. Mm -hmm. Like, I'd rebuy the original trilogy on 4K if they were despecialized. You know, they would make another ninety dollars off of me, but um, they would. Um, I, I found I found it's pretty easy if you go to eBay. There are lots of people that have like despecialized Blu-rays. I'm sure they're not 1080p, but like yeah, I'm sure they're not terrible. Um, I just I haven't popped it in yet, but I was just like, all right, like if it's available, I'm gonna spend the like it was like 20 bucks to get the despecialized Blu-ray, the very unofficial despecialized Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, they could so, charge me whatever they wanted and I'd pay it. That's, same, uh, so I don't know why they don't. 
Same place that I mistake probably mistakenly bought the Star Wars Holiday Special from. Um, <laughs> I got that from a Comic Con. It was like five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I paid a little bit more than five dollars, but uh, you know, I, it's one. Of, it's one of those you just gotta see how bad it is. You just gotta be like, oh, is it really? And, people said it's like silent film for the first like twenty minutes. I didn't believe them, and it's like the first forty minutes. It's not even twenty. It's so long they don't say a word. Yeah, I I've never seen it. Never will, because I'm not like I haven't watched the room. I couldn't even watch. Oh, it. Jake, come on, I, look. I'm not one of those I've people never seen the room. who don't like worry, you. You're not alone. It, so bad you have to see it well if it's oh. so bad i don't want to sit through hold it. on though hold on though hold on though the room is a very enjoyable experience to watch um it's a terrible movie and it's enjoyable to watch for that reason there is no enjoyment in watching the holiday special jake you just need to come over to my house we're gonna have some drinks and we're gonna watch the room and the star wars holiday special <laughs> there you uh, go it's gonna be it's gonna be a good night um all the other stiff pop writers you're all invited come to iowa oh, and we'll, so much more drinks and we'll have <laughs> we'll, ha- we'll have some drinks and watch the room and the star wars holiday special back to back and if we're still awake maybe pretending but <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, Jake, will you remind us, uh, tell everybody again, uh, kind of how you got involved in writing for Sip Pop and all that? Yeah, so, oh, March of 2020, I think. Yeah, when uh, the world went to hell? Yeah, when the world went to hell. Uh, actually, just before the world went to hell, uh, I was listening to Sif Pop, and Dicer made a pitch uh, for writing for the website, and he's like, oh, if you've ever thought of starting your own thing and just didn't want to, the legwork was too much to consider. I'm like, hey, that's me. I literally have an external hard drive with all the reviews from 2015 when I'm like, I'm going to start a movie blog. Never did. So uh, <laughs> went to Sin Week while the world was ending. Uh, talked to Blake. He's like, yeah, shoot me an email. So I did, got hooked up, and then little delay, didn't start actually writing till June of that year, and you know, slowly worked my way up to writing from BECs to getting into reviews, and now I have a series too. So that's true. Just yeah, slowly expanding. Yeah. Gosh, you said Blake's name, and I was just like, like my heart just. Man, I I love Blake so much. I think he's gonna make me just move to Nashville just so we can be friends. <laughs> like, um, anyway, every time I see something that he posts, I'm just like, can we please just be friends in real life? And uh, he says, sure, move to Nashville, and it's gonna happen. I think um, <laughs> someday, someday. Uh, Nick, what about you? You're you're part of the new wave of writers, but you've been like kind of active on the on the social medias for a while, like interacting with hip hop stuff. So certainly, hip pop wasn't something new for you. Yeah, I uh oh, what is it? Back I guess about four years ago I I heard Aaron on the uh Aaron Dicer on the Syncast, which I had been listening to for years, and and one of the times he had mentioned he had his own podcast, and I was like, huh, what is this about? So I started listening and uh yeah, follow you guys on Twitter and saw that you had the big push, and so I was mm-hmm. like, I will definitely you know what, I think it's time. I've everyone always tells me you should do a movie. And I'm like, I don't know. No one wants to hear me, but uh, it just, 
I I've thought, you know what, this is the perfect opportunity. I the kids are getting older, don't have to worry about that, you know, no more babies in the house. They're all at least toddlers. So they can take care of themselves from time to time. I'm allowed to be an adult again. And uh I figured this would be a nice little thing to try and get, you know, wet my whistle, get get better at writing, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I have one more random question for you. Uh, 20 minute intro, you know. Um, all right. I came across this question. I thought this would be a lot of fun. Guys, hit me with your best pickup line. Oof. <laughs> oh, I wish this was a video podcast. You can see the reaction. Pickup line and probably... just got really red, and Jake just like put his face <laughs> in his hands. Hmm. Oh. <sighs> that would pickup line having a pickup line would be a prerequisite and that would require me to leave my apartment for something other than food movies and work so can i cop out and say i don't have one <laughs> let's see i know my wife is going to be listening to this podcast later so i'm gonna say honey <laughs> Would you like to go out with me tonight? No? Maybe in a couple weeks? Okay, great. <laughs> we don't ever have time. I haven't had to use a pickup line ever. And, uh, oh boy. I like the, I like the did you fall from heaven one. Because uh, that one's fun. <laughs> did, it, did it hurt when you fell from heaven? Yeah, there you go. That's how it goes. Did it hurt when you fell from heaven? Uh, I didn't know they allowed angels to walk around the earth. <laughs> Well, I like terrible puns. So, Aaron, give us give us your best uh, pickup line, and I will find a terrible punny one to make everybody leave the podcast. Yeah, look, this is perfect timing for this one, but uh, I think the best one I've ever heard. Uh, it's cheesy and it's corny, but like, man, it's perfect. Is uh, is you you go up to to the person that you're attracted to and you're like, hey, um, can I take a picture of you so I can show Santa what I want for Christmas? Like, <laughs> that's perfect, right? Like, I, don't know. I met my wife online and like, yeah, I got a chance to think about what I sent before I did, although I still didn't because I don't. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it was something about like, I, I'm sure it was high. I don't know. Here you go. I got one online. Try, try to force a vegetable, my dog as, as soon as I can. If you were a vegetable, you'd be a cutecumber. Oh my god. Oh. Wah, wah. I regret this so bad. <laughs> yeah, that was your that one's on you. Uh, let's see. What was my ta- oh there we go. This this one I'm I'm just looking at these cheesy pickups. And this one stands out. It's so as a Windows person, I can relate. Uh, hey, my name's Microsoft. Can I crash at your place tonight? <laughs> uh, Insert any buggy video game here. <laughs> yeah, no, because when I tried to click on this tab, it froze for a second. So. There you go. Here, <laughs> I got one. It's movie related. Really oh, there we go. Okay, this one's perfect for the podcast. Nice theming. I'd like to take you to the movies, but they don't let you bring your own snacks. Oh. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. There you, there you go. go. If you guys have Thank been, you, if, if you're listening and you've just needed the lines to, to say to somebody, there you go. There's there's a couple good options the right there for you. three of you who haven't bailed at the <laughs> For all four of our listeners, because everyone else left. If you're for some reason still listening. 
Well, uh, look, I think it's been too long uh, that uh, that we've not been able to talk about current movies. So um, I think we got to do that. Um, we got two movies coming out this week. Nick, you're the, you're the guest. Uh, would you like to start with Finch or The Eternals? Oh, let's 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 end on a Marvel note. Let's start with Finch. All right, let's start with Finch. Uh, let's see. Synopsis for this movie is on a post-apocalyptic Earth, a robot built to protect the life of his creator's beloved dog uh, learns about life, love, and friendship and what it means to be human. Uh, this is a new Tom Hanks uh, film coming out on Apple TV+. Plus. It'll be out November 5th. So um, that's what we're looking at. Uh, Finch, it looks like uh, Caleb Landry, Landry Jones as well um, uh, in, in the film. And then... Uh, nobody else I recognize. Writer, director, none of that either. But I think Apple's usually really good about like getting, for the most part, like not recognizable people and giving them something to work with. Uh, yeah, so it's a really um, small cast too. The IMDb only has like six people in it. I mean, it was probably one of those like COVID productions. So you know, yeah, they, small, they could probably cast. do that really easy. Yeah, not like you know, Dune or. Um, I was just thinking back to like some of the letterboxed reviews and not for Dune, but um, for, for Dear Evan Hansen, somebody, somebody's review is just let, like, just remember that they risked filming this in a pandemic, like <laughs> to make us, to make this crap. And it was just like, all right, like, fair point. Um, so, uh, but the director, in case you recognize it is uh, Miguel, Miguel uh, Sapochnik. Sap- um, uh, he's a Game of Thrones director. I oh, okay. Yeah, uh, and then actually did sound familiar. And then writers Craig Luck and Ivor Powell. Um, yeah, Game of Thrones director Repo Men from 2010. I know that's got his following. Art department for Train Spotting. Um, he's directing uh, the pilot for House of the Dragon, House of the Dragon, the Game of Thrones prequel. So that's that's not nothing. Um, looks like he did some altered carbon. Iron Fist, Master of Sex, Drew Detective. So this is his first film. He was the director of the super dark episode of Game oh. of Thrones in that final season. Oh yeah, that was his. Ep- that was one of his. He's done like I think like six episodes total. But yeah, that was that was his episode. Also, yeah, definitely not his first directing film though, because Repo Man. But Repo Man is the only other film that he's directed. Um, but I know that one has a following, so um, it ain't nothing. Um, yeah, and I. So there, so there we go. Um, all right. So you guys know the deal. Uh, with the anticipation level, we're not trying to factor in budget into this. We're not trying to factor in COVID into this anything. Uh, we're not trying to factor in the fact that one of these is an Apple original. Just if, if this is a theater exclusive and uh, the only thing that's going to get you there is is free will, everything else is, is not a factor. Um, how soon do you think you're interested? Would you check it out opening weekend? Would you go on a discount night? Would you wait to rent it at home? Would you wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for? Or are you just not interested in it? Jake, let's start with you. Yeah, this is going to be opening weekend. That was that trailer's super wow. charming. Okay. Um, now, fair warning, I haven't seen the trailer yet because I forgot. And I was like, well, yeah. So, uh, Nick, what about you? Where are you at? I'd say uh, matinee discount night. Uh, it looks good it's tom hanks but uh i don't know it's one of those i think i'd wait maybe just to hear what people said first okay um you know i think i think for this one i'm gonna go ahead and just like i don't i i don't have an answer because i've seen a trailer or because i haven't seen a trailer so I i don't i think i'm just gonna not allow myself to 
you know, like for Ron's Gone Wrong last week, I forgot to look up that one. Uh, look, it's got Tom Hanks in it. That's enough for me to be like, yeah, that's interesting. And, you know, I, I love Wait, dogs. Um, at a minimum, just the fact that it's Tom Hanks, like the, the floor for this movie was catch it on a streaming service. Because yeah, like, when's the Tom last time Hanks, Tom Hanks made a bad movie? I mean, I, I never, I didn't see News of the World or um, Greyhound good, or anything like that. But, good. but I've heard they're both good, right? I was, I was Greyhound good. was good. News of the World was good. I think that one even where he goes to that foreign land as like a salesman was even good i i didn't see that one but it got good reviews so it's tom let's, hanks let's not forget yeah. his uh his role in uh borat subsequent movie film but yes. um oh, spoilers man <laughs> well he did this he did the circle in inferno back to back in 2016 oh that's so. true uh, so i guess it's not as far as far yeah. back as i had thought um, but he was good in the circle like he was not the problem with that movie that's that was solely a script issue. Uh, well, and I'm not gonna lie the the trailer is what pushed it into opening weekend. There's a very specific reason because, like, a Tom Hanks is just great, so that's he's he looks good, so that's um, something in itself. But like, music can have a big effect on like an anticipation level because, like. Had I not had a golf outing the weekend of Suicide Squad, the first one coming out and just seeing how many people trashed it, the use of Queen in that trailer got me super excited for that movie. Mm. So here they use the score from True Romance, which is just amazing. I love that score. So they use it here. So that probably bumped it up a notch for me, but um, I, and added to the charm of the whole experience. But um, I, it, it looks like fun. It's, you know, Castaway part two with dogs and robots. You're, you're I mean, right. It, it does look like a lot of fun. I I I will be watching it at home, but uh, but yeah, it's, uh, there's something about the trailer. I I think it's that moment where they're like, and there's other people that we have to worry about. And I'm like, oh, again with these post-apocalyptic. Yeah, we get it. People are bad, but yeah. I, I'm kind of getting tired of that trope. And that's I think the only thing that's keeping me from opening weekend. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Honestly, I'm just looking at the big poster in the still that's on imdb and it looks like it, it, specifically this poster looks like i am legend meets chappy meets district nine <laughs> like did you ever like. see the movie with uh alan arkin it uh frank and robot no it he's like an old like cat burglar and they get him a robot to take care of him like as a nanny it almost gave me kind of those vibes like i haven't seen that that in a post-apocalyptic world but i have seen rocky five so (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately Uh, also has a robot yes (laughs) yeah look look tom hanks and a dog like that's really all i need to be like all right and this dog is cute yeah it's a cute Um, dog robot's adorable too yeah the robot looks cute they 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 mine a lot of comedy out of the robot and it yeah it looks like fun and then you know there's going to be like the three serious moments that 
Tom Hanks is going to act the crap out of mm-hmm. and I'm gonna be like, all right, that was. I'm it's just a shame it won't be eligible for, eligible for awards. So, oh, yeah, there's that. Yeah, because I'm bummed because I want Coda to win things and it won't. I still need to see that one. You do, you do. Yeah. do. Pull it up this week. Um, on my list. There we go. So, um, I don't have anything more, but obviously, you know, is there is there anything else that you guys want to say? Are you content? Nope. Yeah, I think we're good. All right, we'll probably have a little bit more to say about this one. This is the Eternals, uh, the saga of the Eternals, a race of immortal beating beings who live on Earth as shaped its, uh, 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 who lived on Earth and shaped its history and civilizations. Um, most notably, this is the new Marvel Studios film. Also, most notably, this has Academy Award-winning director Chloe Zhao directing it, um, and also notably featuring. A really stacked cast, uh, including Gemma Chan, Richard Madden, um, Rob Stark from Game of Thrones, um, Angelina Jolie, Salma Hayek, Kit Harington, Kumail Nanjiani, Brian Tyree Henry, uh, Barry Keoghan. Um, uh, let's see. I think that's really the only ones that I super recognize. Uh, but I possible that there's a couple that you're like, how are you missing? <laughs> It's, there's so many people in this movie. Right. It's easy to forget someone. Right. And like, gosh, Angelina Jolie and Salma Hayek right there. Like, that's a lot of budget. Right. Um, I, I still can't even believe they're both in not only a Marvel movie, but the same Marvel movie. Well, but can can you believe that not only that, but that this but movie's budget was only like $200 million? Yeah, that's, that that's not Shocked me. They probably so, have a killer, like behind the th- like we only got paid cost but when the movie well, comes out we're gonna make bank that's probably but I, right but i also saw a kit i think it was kit harrington uh was surprised at how much was shot practically so maybe if most of your budget's going for the cast and less of it's going to special effects although i know practical doesn't necessarily always mean cheaper that's true maybe not well i mean chloe zhao's just known for her other movies just sweeping landscape shots so i can only imagine like 80 percent of the budget was just helicopter rides <laughs> with cameras on them so like they're they're gorgeous in every movie she does and that's what a lot of this trailer is so i can only imagine that it's gonna look amazing at i i hope that when alex does the highlight for this episode um that he's just gonna take just that one soundbite and loop it and <laughs> and, and it just has all of like super cut of chloe zhao's uh sweeping landscape shot but there you go you know that would uh that would be a lot of work you would have to sit through and cut all the chloe zhao films and uh i, th- I don't think he's a big fan of nomad land um nor am i um so it's a good story um it it was it was a f- I'll never watch that movie again, but yeah. I enjoyed watching it, and I'm good with what I saw. Yeah, uh, it might yeah. have been my least favorite Best Picture nom. It was fine. I'm trying to remember but... if there's any other. I mean, I, I liked it more than Mank still, but and I saw both of them twice and liked them. I liked Mank more a little bit better on the second time though, but still don't really like it. Um. Anyway, we're not talking about Mank uh, or No My Land. We're talking about the Eternals. Uh. Jake, you went first last time. Let's go with Nick. Uh, same scale. Opening weekend, discount night, rent at home, streaming service you already pay for or not interested. Oh, it's Marvel. I'm going to be opening weekend. They they have my number. I, I love all of their movies. Now, 
if we're comparing them to other Marvels, like if we were talking Doctor Strange, I'm kidnapping Benedict Cumberbatch to take me to the premiere. <laughs> but at this point with Eternals, it's it's just going to be opening night. And it's mainly because I don't know anything about them. Like yeah. it's one of my my comic book blind spots is the the Jack Kirby stuff. And it just, I that was the same way with Guardians of the Galaxy. And this is, I just feel in my bones that it's going to be like Guardians in the sense that I don't know what I'm ex- going to get, but I know I'm going to like it when I come out. Well, isn't that such a weird thing to be experienced? Because I thought I was relatively well-versed in comics. And, and, you know, and Marvel was doing like Thor and Captain America and all that. I was like, all right. Uh, and then all of a sudden they're like, and here's Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'm like, who? And then, and mm-hmm. then they're like, and here's Shang-Chi. And I'm like, who? Uh, and now they're like, here's the Eternals. And I'm like, I think I know that name, <laughs> um, but just in name only. Uh, you know, and and all the things that they're trying to do, and probably the most like out of the box that DCEU has gotten so far is Shazam, which is like kind of out of the box because they haven't made a movie for Shazam yet. I don't think he's been in a live action movie before the film, but come on, like, was, there really... is that that old black and white TV show, but that's about it. But well, but like Shazam's still a recognizable character. Comic yeah. people know Shazam. He's been um, in a ton of the the animated stuff. So I mean, they get weird in animation on DC's side. So I actually had a lot more experience with them. But when it came to Marvel's w- weird side, like I was, I like the X Men and I like Spider Man, and yeah, like that was that was me growing up. But uh, the first time I ever saw the Guardians of the Galaxy, I think they showed up as a cameo in like Earth's Mightiest Hero cartoon. And by then I was well in high school, so I shouldn't have been watching cartoons. But like that, that was the first time I saw them. I'm like, who are these guys? They're weird. You take it back. You take that back. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm also going to be an opening weekend. Look, I know that this movie is is getting relatively middling reviews off the bat. I try not to look into that. And I also know that like there are a lot of people that are finally hitting superhero fatigue. There's a lot of people that are finally hitting Marvel fatigue. Uh, if it's not all superhero, they're just kind of like... Marvel's just not super interesting, interesting anymore. And like, you know, I, like I just, I think, I think Shang-Chi wound up being a, a pretty big hit, at least in terms of like critical and audience, like, Oh wow. That was actually like a really pleasant surprise. Um, you know, and I think Black Widow was pretty much a letdown for everybody. Um, but uh, I think that people are tired of that. The Black yes. Widow, the Falcon, the Winter Soldier, like the Captain America, like that normal stuff, like the right. grounded down to earth. I think everyone's really into the uh, the weird. Like WandaVision was a hit. Loki was a hit. Guardians is a hit. Whenever they go weird, people really seem to turn it around. So it was weird to see that they had the... Uh, the lower Rotten Tomatoes score coming out with the critics, but uh, well, I'm but I think wondering if they were thinking Chloe Zhao was going to do more than what they got. I don't know. Well, and I mean, I think there's also an element of like I, you, you, you said weird. I would even say like new. Like, yeah, I, there's so much hype for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness because MCU hasn't dabbled in the multiverse just yet. So, um, and a lot of hype for when Doctor Strange was finally coming out because holy crap, Doctor Strange is going to be in a movie. And how is that going to work? And they're hiring the guy that directed Exorcism of Emily Rose. And it was great. Uh, so um, anyway, like I, I, I'm really excited for this. And like, 
every every film will be a opening weekend. Every Marvel film will be an opening weekend for me because I just don't want Marvel films are an experience. I I don't want that ruined for me. And I I get the kind of being down on it a little bit. Black Panther wasn't great. Um, Marvel's had a lot more, you know, for the relative MCU stinkers in the last couple. But like, still the worst. Well, not the worst. Um, but still, a not great Marvel movie is still a pretty okay movie. Um, uh, you know, um, Captain Marvel and Thor: The Dark World are kind of the two like real standouts for bad movies for me. I'd probably throw Black Widow somewhere in there, um, as well as like really low tier MCU stuff. But like, those are still fine movies. Thor: The Dark World oh, yeah. just gets grabbed on because you compare it to the Avengers. <laughs> Uh, and Iron Man and Infinity War. It came it's, out in between two of the better Marvel movies. So. It's not a good movie, but no. it's not Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance. Right, yes, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's better than Batman versus Superman. Anyway, uh, Jake, yeah. where are you at uh, on the scale? Yeah, uh, so it's it's a weird one because, um, like, I always have a good time at the Marvel movies. Like you say, they're always going to be opening weekend because you don't want to be spoiled. Um, I've avoided the spoilers that I guess were out two weeks ago in the trades, so I'm very happy about that. But like, I think based on just pure excitement, I think I'm matinee. Cause, okay. Yeah. Um, the the trailers have been I'm like, oh alright. They've been fine. And like I think the other problem for me in sort of I guess getting like super excited, let's go with this one, is I haven't seen a lot of like No Bad Land is my one Chloe Zhao experience. Me like, too. I, I haven't seen any of her other stuff and I was just like fine on Nomadland. So it's it's going to be good. I'm going to enjoy it. I just don't have the excitement, I guess, that I usually have. So, but yes, in actuality, I will be going opening weekend. I'll probably be going tomorrow. Or not tomorrow. Tomorrow when Friday. this episode launches. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll be going Friday night when this episode launches. But yeah. like I, I'm going to be going opening weekend because people on the internet are jerks. I don't need to be True. spoiled. And it's Marvel. They've earned my benefit of the doubt. So just because I'm not over the moon excited, like, not that it looks bad either. This looks like it's going to be good. I'm just not as excited as I am for some of the other stuff coming down the road. Well, and look, I, I think I was kind of where you're at. Like, look, obviously I'm going to be there opening weekend, but I think like, and I'm probably in like the low side of opening weekend. I'm not terribly excited. I'm not necessarily going to be like, Oh, if I can't go Thursday night, I'm going to die. Like, um, you know, I, like I'm, I'm like, I'd probably be okay. You know, catching a Saturday matinee or whatever. Um, but, uh, but man, when I saw, um, no time to die in IMAX, they showed the Eternals trailer in the IMAX screen. I was just like, this movie looks gorgeous. And so like that really kind of brought me back up into the, opening weekend like i've got to go see it on the biggest screen i can um right you know. and that's you know i'm still in matinee because you don't go to a marvel movie and not 
see it on the biggest screen possible. Oh, yeah. Like some of that's them, why yeah. they delayed all the releases. <laughs> right. So, um, but I, yeah. I just remember. I mean, any opening weekend for a Marvel movie is better than even just like say that Sunday night because you get that crowd that's they're the ones that are there for it and right. so when the big things happen there's cheering in the in the seats everybody like really gets into the movie i i took my kids to see even endgame we went we went opening night thursday night me and my friends and it, it was of course it was like a, a, a football stadium right then i went saturday with my daughter and like when cat picks up mjolnir there were maybe a few like <gasps> but it wasn't the same yeah a- and it's there's nothing like that opening night marvel that it's just it's so much fun well and i, I firmly i firmly believe i'll never have an experience like endgame um yeah. in, in opening night um again yeah because you're right it was it was like a sports arena um but the first avengers felt like that too like when all these you know, saw opening night and all these comic book people were at this movie and like, we're actually seeing Captain America and Iron Man and Thor on the same screen together. Like, holy crap. And then when they showed Thanos at the end, they're like, guys, they're doing th-. like, it was just like, just watching a bunch of people be like, but that was a lot of just like mild, like, like a lot of nerds being really excited. And a lot of other people were like, that was really cool. But by the time you get to end game, it doesn't matter whether you're a comic nerd or not seeing Catwheel Mjolnir see everybody cries when Tony Stark cries. Right. Um, so it, you're right. And look, I don't know that Eternals will necessarily be anything to that scale. I don't think they're going to try to be anything that scale. I think they're going to be, I think they're better off to try to, you know, make a little smaller movie. Like, like Shang-Chi is a totally fine because it's not necessarily like super high stakes, super emotional investment and all that. It's just trying to tell a relatively simple story with some with some special characters and world building um and some special elements introduced into a larger universe and like that's how they got started um and i feel like you've gotten the big bombastic and you know there's a there's a little part of me that just wishes that like that that end game would have been it and marvel would have been like all right we did it we told our story we're going but like gosh i Hard to disagree on that, but I no, get the, no, the, I like, get there's, where you're there's from. a part of my soul that wishes <laughs> they would have done that. But then that means we don't get Doctor Strange in the multiverse of mass. It means we have to get WandaVision. WandaVision was the biggest surprise to me um, on how much I really loved it. And uh, that was my know. most anticipated thing from the minute they said they were making it, and I was still blown away by it. Like I was most was excited Avengers for what if. <laughs> I was excited oh, yeah. for what if, and uh, I still haven't seen them yet. But I, uh, my understanding is, it doesn't live up to any hype. Um, yeah, so. I think I watched like six or seven, and then everybody's like, it doesn't get really any better. My like, God, I'm good. But like, the fact that I didn't like, like, what if's just okay for me, and I'm not super excited for this one. I don't want it to come off like I don't want them to take risks. Like, go ahead, you you did your big story. Go ahead, get a little more creative. Try some new things. You're rotating through the cast. I'm cool with that. That's exciting to me. Like, I don't know what's happening in this movie because I have no frame of reference for who these people are. And that's still exciting to me. Right. Like the like, fact that this is going to be something different. Shang-Chi was smaller scale, like you said, and that was fun. I enjoyed that. Like, martial art bringing 
like actual martial arts elements into the MCU was a great twist for for that. Mm-hmm. So I'm all for trying something new and doing something different. Um, and that's what I think I'm still really excited about. Yeah, uh, I'm not really I'm not really excited for more Black Widow or anything like that. Uh, not just because Black Widow is a pretty mediocre now. movie. Give me but all the yes, people. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, she was for sure one of the bright spots in that movie. Uh, but you know, and like I, like I still am really excited for Doctor Strange and uh, and Spider Man and all that. But like, you know, I'm I'm not I w- I wouldn't necessarily be thrilled for um, you know. Uh, I, I mean, I'm kind of stoked for the the new Captain America movie because it's a new Captain America, you know, and I like seeing seeing Sam struggle with taking up the mantle of what it means was probably the only like really good part of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, but I, I think Hawkeye will be the determining factor as to whether or not they can get these more grounded ones to be fun because Hawkeye looks so much fun. Yeah. And if you had said to me even a year ago, like you're going to see the Hawkeye trailer and you're going to be like, give it to me now, pump it in my veins. I would have told you you were crazy. Like it just, it, I, he's cool, but they've never really, other than when Joss Whedon had him do the, he's not looking and he shoots the arrow in the first Avengers movie. Like he, they haven't really done anything really that cool with him. He just shoots the arrows like I remember the Logan series, the the old man Logan. He's, oh yeah, he's freaking blind, and he's nailing these guys as and driving a car, and he's blind, and that's how cool <laughs> Hawkeye can be. And I just don't think they've gotten there yet. But this Hawkeye trailer looks great. So if they can pull this off, I I'll feel a lot better about the the standard grounded Black Widows, Hawkeyes, Captain Americas moving forward. Yeah, I think I, I think the more the some of the smaller scale ones, I want them to be more fun. You know, I want them to kind of dig back in there. You know, like when Iron Man three like just really scaled things back and was like, I'm just gonna tell a fun little story that also has some really important you know struggles with Tony's PTSD and all that, but also like a lot of the movies gonna be Tony with the suit busted in a garage making fun of some kid um for for a lot of it and it works for me um yeah so i I would like i would like some of that fun back especially since the only thing well i guess the suicide squad is pretty fun and uh uh, obviously shazam is 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 a lot of fun so um i don't know just like uh, dc is more is seems to be way more interested in going darker and darker so look just give me some nice you know i don't not every movie needs to be the end of the world but um anyway we're just talking about marvel in general at this point uh, and i i feel like that's kind of the eternals thing i feel like really the only hype that's going to change is the only thing that's going to affect your hype is close out um might have some people that have given up on marvel that might be like oh but chloe yeah so um so i feel like that's that's kind of it so um i'm we'll take we'll go to the sift topic uh i'm gonna go ahead and pick uh, we're gonna start off we'll talk about first kid uh, this is a 1996 movie streaming on Disney Plus. Uh, synopsis for this movie is um, a former boxer turned Secret Service agent is assigned to protect the president's son, who seems determined to make life difficult for his new protector. Um, really, the only recognizable faces actually, there's a couple actually supporting characters that were recognizable. Um, Art Lafleur was like the biggest, like was like, oh, that's right, he's in this. Um, he was in every 90s kids movie. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, no cowboy union. This is an air bud. 
Bill Cobb. Right, yeah, Bill Cobb. That's right. Because yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, we just talked. Last time Jake was on, we talked about it. Um, Zachary Ty Bryan, he was one of the kids in Home Improvement, is in this movie. Um, uh, Timothy Busfield, he looked familiar. I, can't, I couldn't tell you what he's in, though. Um, uh, and Sinbad being the big one, uh, the big the big name in this. Um, uh, Brock Pierce playing Luke Davenport, but... Uh, um, I think the I, I, next I biggest name would be the Robert. Oh, I'm going to mess that up. Julie Juliame. He was the voice of Rafiki in The Lion King, and he oh, he, wow. he did a lot of different roles over the years, just like bit bit parts. Tying this back to another nostalgia pick, uh, the kid that plays the first kid uh, plays young Gordon Bombay in Mighty Ducks and Mighty Ducks Two. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah, and. Uh, see um timmy the bus field in west wing field of dreams i'm not sure which one it would have been honestly it might have just been me constantly thinking of him in this movie um all right um nick you you kind of threw this as one of the options you threw a couple out there and i said well let's go with a spy theme since we already have spy kits on the schedule um so so kind of what what led you to be like hey like i think that one would be a lot of fun to revisit well, like, what's your what's your list. what's your history and like why why did you pick it? I I saw it on the list and I was like, you know, I honestly haven't seen this one since I was a kid. It like I think I saw it in the theaters when it first came out, and then I remember they used to play it on Disney Channel all the time. And for a while, I may or may not have gotten this one, and my date with the president's daughter flipped <laughs> in my brain because there were moments where I was like, wait, didn't this happen? And I was like, oh nope, that's that other movie. But uh, I just, I remember just really enjoying the movie and uh, Sinbad was funny in it. I, when we were, when I was watching it the other night and they, they got to the, the line where he was like, um, he was like, it's a black tie affair. And he's like, I'm black and I'm wearing a tie. I'm like, <laughs> that was in the trailer. I like that was pure nostalgia moment right there. Like, I remember that. And it just it was just one of those movies that it was on all TV all the time. So I watched it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I, I don't think I've seen this movie in, it's gotta be at least 15 years, uh, at least probably, probably closer to, you know, like 18 or so uh, for me. Uh, it's been a while, but I, I used to watch this one over and over and over again. And uh, um, it's just one of those that it's kind of just lighthearted fun uh, for yeah. a lot of it. At least when I was a kid, I think it tried to go for something a little bit more as an adult. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, this man, this is this is literally the ideal like nostalgia for me because it was one of those that as the movie was going, I was just like, oh crap, I remember this like, and I could tell you exactly what's going to happen next. I could tell you some of the line readings, all that. Like they get to the roller rink, and I'm like, Sinbad gets in a pizza costume, and uh, <laughs> um, it was it was a pure like it, man. If nostalgia was a drug, I was on it. Uh, Jake, do you have any history with this one? Yeah, uh, to the best of my knowledge, no. Uh, I don't. I was looking through. Um, I was even curious. Like I didn't know Sinbad was in this till I pulled it up on Disney Plus. I think I literally laughed out loud when I saw Sinbad. I'm like, oh, because then I went to IMDb. I'm like, wait, have I even seen a Sinbad movie? And Jingle all the way. I haven't. No, you I haven't have seen Jingle seen, All the Way. I haven't seen Jingle All oh. the Way either. Oh man! Um, 
Now the one come thing come back I, on, come back for Christmas. Say, now we have our third movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, it'll be Star Wars, no. The Room, Jiggle yeah. All the Way. There we yeah. go. The the one caveat I will give is um, I was talking to my dad, and I was telling him, you know, about the movies I was watching and stuff. And he's like, "Oh, isn't that the one with Sinbad?" So he'd seen it. So I guess technically I could have seen it and just not remembered anything about it because he's seen it so why would he watch it if he wasn't watching it with us but if that was the case i remember nothing yeah th- these are my only two sinbad movie experiences uh he didn't do a ton um and the only other i think real recognizable ones would be conehead and good burger and, Go- and good burger was oh, just right. before my time and i didn't have cable um, so it was on reruns a lot while I was a kid, but I didn't have cable, so I couldn't see. Um, and I, I think I've seen probably about 10 minutes of Cone Heads because he it was, was in another really popular one where I just remember he put Novocaine on his hands and then had to do dentist work on somebody. And oh, okay, something about a house that's all I can remember. I, I can't, but I just remember, I think maybe Jonathan Taylor house Thomas guest? was in it. Maybe, yes, that might be it. I'm just looking so, through his IMDb. It was House Guest, yes. And I think Phil Hartman was in that. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, it, I remember it being funny. I I mean, it probably isn't because I was also like <laughs> nine. But uh, that was yeah. one that, that stuck out in my mind as one that I used to watch with him. Uh, J- Jake, I want to start with you since you have no experience with this movie. Uh, yeah. You watching First Kid in 2021 uh did you like it love it hate it dislike it or think it's just okay yeah um look it was clear when this movie started i'm like oh typical 90s movie i i get exactly what this kid this movie is i'm just gonna try to have fun with it like aaron you were saying oh i was re-watching it and i could predict like, oh, this is what that happened. And it's hilarious because I was doing the same thing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is 90s Disney movie. Yeah. This is exactly what's going to happen. I'm just going to keep an open mind. And I didn't like this movie. Oh. <laughs> I, I tried. I really did. Okay. And I'm like, here's the thing. Like I said, I had no history with this. And I had no history with like Sinbad. So I think that's two strikes against me. Sure. I I really think, and I was thinking this as the movie was going on, I think if I had nostalgia for this movie, I think I have a great time with this. I really do. But with no experience whatsoever, I I couldn't do it. Well, let's put that to the test. Nick, like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay. I'm on the really high side of liked it because I had a lot of nostalgia for it. <laughs> there you go. That'll do it. Yeah. It Look. Was, I, I, the first thing he said was I, you, the movie starts and like, wow, this is, this is the 90s <laughs> the, from the music to the opening. The oh my gosh. Was the, the computer most he was on. Thing ever. <laughs> he goes, at one point, I got it off the kid internet. I'm like, what is the kid internet? <laughs> Only something that existed in the '90s is the kid internet. <laughs> Chat rooms he was in. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, I I had so much fun watching this movie because it was so funny. Just remembering the parts that I remember, but also just 
the the complete silliness of the situation like there's there's no way that this kid would have been allowed they wouldn't have been able to get away with any of it like no and like they snuck out of the white house because they put a wig on him like okay but i was all for it like yeah just just keep doing those sinbad things it was so much fun i had i had a blast yeah here's the thing i can't call this movie good Um, oh no but i had a good time um that being said so i'm still gonna land i'm gonna land in this is just okay uh like there, there's enough, there's enough about it that I thought was a lot of fun, especially revisiting it, um, and I, especially revisiting it, I had a lot of fun. Uh, but there's also definitely some some things that are really laughable that you're like, oh, how the screenwriters really didn't care about this mm-hmm. movie, um, and uh, but I, I thought like that when we first meet Sinbad and he's like threatening a bomb at a Dunkin' Donuts, and it's like. What? How does any of this make sense? But at the and same the time, the guy's like, just like, "Okay, there's a bomb in that donut. I should give it to him." It's like, "How does this?" The really lady with the coffee. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, I had a, I had a good time watching this movie. Uh, it brought back a lot of nostalgia. I laughed quite a bit. There was a lot of adult humor that, like, I didn't catch up. Like, I, did, I probably wouldn't have picked up on the, or I probably did pick up on, but now understand the joke in a different way. Maybe I don't know, like the black tie affair thing. Probably because I didn't know what Black Tie Affair was when I was you know, watching this movie. And I, and then he's like, I'm black and I got a tie. And I'm like, but like, Simba just has, looks like he's having fun in this movie. And I'll give him that. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you watch these movies where where these people like have these these roles. And you can just tell they're just in it for a paycheck. And they're like, I know I'm in a bad movie. Simba looks like he's having fun. And that, that transferred well for me. So... I'm going to be in, like, just okay. Like, I, I went in Letterboxd and put this at a two and a half stars because it doesn't deserve any more. But, like, it's a good time. I'm, I had a good time. So Yeah, I, I, I one of my notes while I was watching it, I was like, is Sinbad the Kevin Hart of the 90s? Yes. Because his shtick was very similar. Like, yes. Yes, the he way is. he interacted with everybody and he was, like, rapid-fire jokes and actually really quick. Actually, no, Kevin Hart is the Sinbad of the modern era. Is, there you go. Is the correct way to phrase that. <laughs> that's that's probably better. Um, yeah, no, like, I had a good time. And, like, the thing that really stuck out to me is the kid is so unlikable, this whole movie. Like, I remember, like, you know, it's like watching the movie and you're just like, oh, sure, he's playing a couple jokes, but the guy in the front was kind of a prude anyway. Like, the guy in the beginning mm-hmm. was kind of a prude anyway. So he kind of deserves the things that are coming towards him. But, like, he's continually a jerk to Sinbad, even when he's helping him out. Like, when he convinces him to take him to the roller rink party, I'm like, dude, like, this guy is, like, your friend at this point. Like, you know, and he doesn't have to be. And he's doing a lot. He's risked a lot for you. Like, you're just taking advantage of this guy. Like you're like, there's nothing likable about the kid. Um, no, not at all. Not it's one of those things. It's like home alone. When you watch it yeah. as a kid, you're like, that's me. It's so funny. I like this kid. And then you watch it as an adult and like, someone needs to tell your parents what's going on right now, because this is unacceptable. <laughs> yeah, very much. Um... <laughs> Jake, Jake, what, what, what are some outside opinions? Well, um, I am going to start with some of the stuff I liked. Okay. Um, like, my, 
like, I didn't even know he was a former bot. Like, I looked nothing up. So, like, when you were reading off the synopsis and it tells you he's a former boxer, I didn't even know that. And, like, the stuff in the boxing ring, I think maybe it's my Bill, that I do have nostalgia for Bill Cobb because of Airbud. Like, the boxing stuff, I think, is great. The stuff in the boxing ring was some of my favorite because, A, you have Bill Cobb and... Who doesn't love a good montage? Yeah. I love a good montage. That was a great montage. That's a good montage. Yeah. Um, so I had a lot of fun um, with uh, that sort of stuff when they're, you know, you have the bonding montage with mm-hmm. the boxing and the music and the and the games. They undercut a bit at times, like you said, at the end, they're trying to get each other in trouble. But, um, you know, did I know the bonding montage was coming? Of course. If you've seen one movie from the 90s, you know exactly what's happening here. Um, But I still had fun with that portion of it. Yeah, um, and speaking of montages, there's also a montage at the beginning where, like, with Sinbad in the class, and, like, the, the one specific part of that montage that i remember was um when when the when the bully kid is shooting spitballs at sid bad and he has like a paper towel roll and shoots a massive wad back at the kid. like that's the one i remembered the most yeah uh, so so there one. are multiple montages in this movie yeah and, uh, and that one worked that's when yeah, like, worked. the ridiculousness works is in montage form like in the the montages were some probably my favorite parts of this movie, and yeah. when I just let it wash over me and had a good time with it. Yeah, um. it was the little jokes for me, like just here and there, like that kid internet thing. Uh, there, I don't know if you caught it, but uh, at one point, his dad was on the phone with Bill Clinton. He yes. had lost his saxophone. Yes, I, I had to pause it. I was dying. It was so much fun. It was so funny. I couldn't stop. Well, um, and as as somebody who was born in '95, I don't I don't really have like a history with Clinton. I grew up in the Bush era, so like that was. But like having like studied history as I've gotten older, mm-hmm. all that like that was really fun for me. Like seeing that. It everyone, know, everyone always kid. riffing on Bill Clinton and his saxophone. Like Animaniacs even wow. has a joke about yes. it. So like that he lost his saxophone at the White House. Of course he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, yeah, I'm look. I'm trying to look through the quotes because, like, I I saw this this movie like I think Saturday and maybe su- no, I think Sunday. And it's now Thursday, and I didn't take any notes during it, and I regret that because uh, I can't really remember too many specific moments other than just like, oh yeah, this is straight nostalgia for me. Uh, but I'm looking at the quotes here, and I'm reminded of when they go to the bar, and he says, "I'll have a Harvey Wallbanger." Would actually make that a Harvey Oswald. It's like, what was the difference? <laughs> Oh, well, that's three shots. Like that's that's clever. And then there's yeah. the whole the when they when they have the earpiece to get into Doctor Carl. He's like, "Don't just stand there, say hello." And he just shouts, "Hello!" And then, like, yeah, just make, make her go deaf. Girls like that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it when he's teaching them the dance, and the kid starts doing the pelvic thrust over and over again. He goes, "No, no, no, just one per song, just one of those per song." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> Yeah, like, I, I really wish I could remember specific things. I just don't. Um... Well, one of the th- one of the other things that worked, and I was sort of surprised at, was like, and it didn't get too preachy. It didn't hammer you over the head. I mean, if you've seen movies, you're like, 
you just make a tab. You're like, this is coming back. But like the whole message room thing about like, oh, be careful who you talk to right. on the internet. I'm like, whoa, they were doing they were doing this in 95 or 96, whatever this is. I'm like, all right, that's that's good. This is gonna come back. But I'm like, oh, I mean, that's a good message. It's obviously that's obviously the point. Is you know, in in retrospect, they really hammer you over the head. Like, like yeah. there's no way this movie was gonna end any differently. Like, yeah, than, right. than the bad guy is the person he's been talking to the whole movie because every time he's on For the sure. computer, hey, re- remember, like, watch out who you're talking to. It's like, yeah, we get it. Yeah. I'm just laughing at the ineptitude of the White House staff. He he, Sinbad brings this guy in like the command center. This hey, can you look up this guy? And he's like, I don't know, man. I don't have that. It's only the president's kid talking to a stranger on the internet. You take your time with that. And then after Sinbad is fired, the guy comes up and he's like, Oh hey, I've got those files that you wanted. And then it's never talked about again. Like it's like, what were you guys doing? That's your job. Oh yeah, that gets my big negative Uh, and like i said at the beginning i'm like all right this is ridiculous i know what movie this is i'm just gonna have fun with this and then as i had less fun as the movie was going on the one thing i kept coming back to how the hell is this guy not fired (laughs) how does he have a job still like playing duck duck goose on the white house lawn yeah, you're letting this guy guard the president's son? The hell is wrong with you? Well, hold on, hold on. The kid's kind of a dick. Like, yeah, no, he totally is. I, they try to make him a little relatable towards the middle when they they do the whole being a rich white kid and the and the president's son is hard, but and, like, and, and being it really rings false. <laughs> but uh, but I mean, he. He, I guess he gets better towards the end, but even at the end, he hits Simbad in the face with a hockey puck. This kid sucks. Right, exactly. That was the thing. He sucks. Like, this kid's terrible. He, right after he said, you know what, I'm going to turn down the job to be the, the secret servant. Now, look, he he would for sure be fired immediately oh, yeah, almost if he immediately. was protecting the president. <laughs> uh, but right after he chooses, no, I'm happy where I'm at. He literally lines up a slap shot. The goal, no player, nothing is around him. He's deliberately aiming for his bodyguard. Like... This kid's a freaking nightmare. Yeah, oh, seriously. That's the worst. Um, I'm looking through <laughs> IMDb's kids. trivia, and um, the, um, the the Timothy Busfield, who I mentioned earlier, I recognize because they him and the first kid both appear in Little Big League. Um, There's a lot of people from Little Big League in this one. Right? Um, yeah. he, he plays uh, like the third baseman, I think. Uh, Another nostalgia one of, one of the baseball Right, for sure. Um, apparently, Will Smith was the original choice for Sammy Sims, and I would love to see that movie. That'd be a lot of fun. Because you're we, talking like Men in Black We would be era. talking about a completely different movie if Will Smith was in it. Like, oh my god. Like, that would be top ten Will Smith movies of all time. Yeah. It'd be in the... Like, it's it would have been fantastic. This is the, uh, the, the final um, appearance of uh, Sonny Bono. Uh, oh, final on screen right, appearance. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. Uh, although he had a really delightful scene. <laughs> it was a great um, cameo. Although, speaking of cameos, I, we could have done best ever cameos in a movie based on Sonny Bono in this one and Clooney in Spy Kids at the end. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what? Oh, all the all the cameos in, in Spy Kids were yes, really uh, delightful yeah, for me. That, but, that um, also, yeah, also this, is, uh, this is the only time 
that a a sitting U.S. president has portrayed himself in a feature film. Yeah, so yeah, you guys were talking about that. Go. I'm like, that's a great get. Yeah, like, I love that. Well, that's I, I thought I thought they used stock footage of him on like a thing and like a, a voice double. Well, but now like now that we're the trivia, like that's a big deal. Yeah. Like, that is. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, all right, Jake, Jake let me hear some, let me hear some of your issues. Yeah. Uh, well, the, how is that guy's not fired? Yeah. Obviously at the time there, the, the, the effects are hit or miss. Like the bullet actually for 19, the bullet at the end actually isn't terrible yeah, for 1996. It's, it's but like, better, better than Spy Kids. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> Don't even get me started myself. on that yet. Getting ahead of myself. Uh, uh, yes, but there is some also truly bad White House green. Yes. Green. Oh, like, that was so a matte painting at the White House. Like you uh, could tell it was like in the daytime, that was very clearly a matte painting that they digitally put people in front of. It was awful. It's not great. Um, like, uh, this movie is too long. How is this movie an hour and 45 minutes? I don't know what you cut, but this is not an hour and 45 minute movie. This should be no longer than 90 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice the length, to be honest. It, it uh, didn't. It didn't hit me. But I but you're right. But I was, There's no reason this movie should be that long. I was mildly multitasking, meaning I was mostly paying attention to this movie, but I was doing something else, like maybe a little bit of food prep or something. Um, so, so I didn't necessarily notice either. But we also have nostalgia for this movie. Yeah, that's sure. true. Yeah, and I don't have that, so maybe it knows. And I'm like, oh, hour forty. Like even when I was pulling it up, I'm like, oh, hour forty five minutes. This seems like a lock for like a ninety minute movie. Yeah. Like I don't. And um, the other thing, like as I was not enjoying this movie, um, do not scroll through this director's. Uh, IMDb. Well, now I have to. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I don't know how this guy keeps making movies. It's. He made one good movie, and he skated on oh. it. There are some true. He's literally made multiple movies. You could yeah. argue could be one of the worst movies of all time. It's so bad. Oh wow! Wow! Well, a, lot of, a lot of twos. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah for, junior for, pet detective. Right, for people living. So he so he started off. He did Radio Flyer, but he was uncredited for that. And he does the Sandlot. This is this is this guy's follow up to the Sandlot. And then he does Beethoven's Third and Fourth, and then some movies I've never heard of. Barely Legal, which was like as early two thousands high school kid, you know, watching these movies as it gets. And he um, did the kid Ace Ventura movie. Yeah, okay, the so he's been think... at Detective Two, the Sandlot Two. He's apparently working on a Sandlot prequel, which no. Um, oh, Squints Two, Three, which I assume is some sort of Sandlot spinoff. Yeah, how, how does this guy keep getting work? I, I think it's the safe Sandlot's to say that first kid broke him. <laughs> he did first kid, and he was never the same after that. That uh, is quite possible. The... Some of the, like you were saying, some of the, like, oh, this is how you make a 90s movie. <gasps> Guys, remember when your parents wouldn't let you say suck because suck was a bad word? Remember that? I do you remember. remember? It was about three years ago I learned that I could start uh, saying suck. 
God. Yeah, that was, A, that was my parents. Like, you can't say suck. That's it. I'm like, what? But I but, can. I can. It's not a bad Oh, my word. gosh. My daughter asked me today if she could say ass. And I'm like, no, no, that one's off limits. You cannot say that. I'm like, why? <laughs> She's like, I want to say I'm a badass. And I'm like, oh, maybe I can let her. But no, no, you can't, no, you can't do that. And she's six, so You're a better parent she than probably will get a, she'll probably get in trouble at school, and I don't want to have to deal with that. Like, yeah. let's just, no. Look at you being responsible. I know. Yeah, you've got to, yeah, you don't, you don't want to uncle Roy Kenter. You know, <laughs> let's, let's hey, hey that don't you dare talk bad about Roy yeah, Kenter. Yeah, no. I, in that hey, case. I'm not talking bad, but, you know, you also can't, you know, have Phoebe going around saying what Phoebe says. You know, that's not good for a six-year-old. No. Yeah, but we're talking on TV, so. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I had a good time with this movie. I, I really don't know what else to say. I, I thought um, I thought it felt a little bit faster than an hour 45, and it took itself a little bit seriously than I remembered, but I, I still really had a good time. And uh, again, straight up, just as soon as it, as soon as it starts, I'm just like, uh, you know, he's in the dressing room. I'm like, oh, he's about to pull his butt out in front of everybody, like because that's <laughs> what he does. And uh, you know, and they uh, uh, the, the donut thing. As soon as that was happening, it's like, oh yeah, there's that, and then. Uh, the the duck duck goose thing, you know, and um, it, the as soon as like that computer showed up, I just got flashes of the, the online chat room screen with like the snakes that are like bordering mm-hmm. it. Like, man, li- literally, it was just like th- this is perfect for nostalgia for me because also like some movies on the list I have gone back and revisited. You know, I watched the Mighty Ducks semi recently before we talked about them again and. Um, you know, uh, I, I have heavyweights kind of as a standing on my list cause I love heavyweights, but I watch heavyweights every year, uh, at least once. Um, cause it has a special place in my heart. Uh, um, the dodgeball prequel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of is. It is. Um, my, so... my head cannon is he, when he got out of jail, he, he changed his name and he moved to wherever and he opened up a, a gym, Globo yeah. gym. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's no. Fair. And look, we are like all three of us are on the same page. Like, if I had seen this as a kid, I have no doubt I'd be exactly where you two are and okay. been able to have fun oh, with definitely. it. I just think it's the fact that I'm watching this for the first time at you know age twenty eight, whatever I am, uh, and yeah. Well, here's the million dollar and closing question for this film then. Um, Jake, we'll start with you. Are you recommending this movie? And if so, who are you recommending it to? Yes. I did not like this. But I think our discussion has showed me enough. If you watch this as a kid, I think it's worth a rewatch. What about like, if you don't have experience with it? What is somebody like, in your... If, if you're going in fresh to this... Run away. Don't. There are so many other things from your past you can rewatch that might actually be nostalgic for you. Okay. Then okay. this. Then trying something new with this. Yeah. If you have no experience with this whatsoever, run far away. Uh, I'm going to completely disagree with you on that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say if you have nostalgia for this movie, 
do yourself a favor and check this out again on Disney Plus um, or DVD or whatever. Uh, if you don't have any experience with this movie, um, I would recommend you watch it. Uh, but just the caveat of all that we've said, no, none of us is trying to argue that this is a good movie. It's just, will you have a fun experience or not? And if you kind of just let yourself to it, I think, um, yeah, I, I think it, it, I know Jake, you said you kind of let yourself to it a little bit. Too. I, I just think if you, yeah, I, I think there is possible to have a fun time. Yeah, you just, just didn't, I, and that's fine. Yeah, just because it didn't work for me doesn't mean it won't work for somebody else. Yeah. Because, like, from the off, it's there's no secret of what type of movie this is. I'm like, oh, immediately, this is what this movie is. I'm going to try to have a fun time. And yeah. I just couldn't. I, I don't think that means just because I couldn't. Well, because maybe if you would have had that mindset before you pushed play, then... Yeah. Then it might have been different. Uh, Nick, what about you? Yeah, I, I'm kind of the same as Jake. Uh, if you've got kids, if it's a nostalgia thing for you, if you've seen it, yeah, you're going to like it. Um, you're going to have fun at the very least. Even if you don't like it, you, I can guarantee my kids are going to love this. So I, I'm actually thinking about watching it again with them just because <laughs> I know it'll be right up their alley. But uh, but yeah, I, I kind of think if if you've never seen this movie you might enjoy it but like you'll know by like minute 10 if you're not digging it by the 10th minute in you can probably do something else you don't need to watch the rest that's that maybe that's fair yeah give give it a give it a couple minute test and you know i th- i think there's there's also an element of like you know um kind of like jake said like there's a million better things you could do with your time than watch this movie but like I'm just saying, you know, like there's a lot worse ways you could spend an hour and 45 minutes, like a ton of bat, like worse ways. So you can watch half of Batman versus Superman. <laughs> <laughs> I would recommend you watch First Kid twice instead twice. of watching Batman versus Superman. Uh, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's talk about Spy Kids then. Uh, Jake, you you had told me when we when we met up at Buffalo Wild Wings the other week, you had told me I know what I'm picking. Let's go for Spy Kids. Let's do it. Man, what what was the reason that you were so impassioned about Spy Kids? Well, it's two things. One, or a few things, I guess. Um, one, it, it's gotten name-dropped multiple times mm-hmm. on this show as, a, as something to go back for a nostalgia thing. I haven't seen it in probably 15 years so it fits perfect like we had i i was trying to remember if we had vhs dvd or maybe both and i can't remember the first two like we watched them a ton so it was just one of those ones where i was just waiting for it to pop up on a streaming service Mm -hmm. that i had i saw it was coming to netflix and that just made the pick easy for me i'm like we've got to see if this thing holds up yeah uh probably good note it's on netflix if you're wanting to check it out um i have a very similar story to you i know for a fact we had the vhs of spy kids and spy kids 2 was in that first wave of dvds um so we had the first one on VHS, but the other ones we had uh, two and three we had on DVD. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, I'm with you. I, I I saw I saw the first two movies a lot as a kid. 
probably this one more than any of the other ones. Um, and I saw the first three several times. We were talking about it in Slack. Like, yeah. Even as a kid, one, I knew the third one was terrible, but... Yeah, third one yeah. is the reason I didn't go to another 3D movie on purpose till, uh Yeah. The Force Awakens. Because our whole family... And I was 10 when that movie came out in theaters. Yeah. And even walking out of the theaters as a 10-year-old, I'm like, but I think this was bad. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, I was I'm two years younger than you. I was eight, and I was yeah. like... I don't think I saw it in theaters. I think we saw it at home. Um, no, I think no, I think we saw it in theaters. Uh, I think we saw two and three in theaters. Um, and I was just like, yeah, this isn't good, right? But I, I don't know. I don't hate it. Like <laughs> none of these movies, like n- none of these movies are actually like very good. Like yeah, as a, as a kid thinking like, but like they're kind of fun. They're kind of doing their job. Um, anyway, uh, maybe one day we'll get to Spy Kids two and Spy Kids three. Um, <clears throat> And, um, yeah, uh, I, I'm with you. I haven't seen any of these three movies, not, not anything of them in years. So, uh, yeah, this is a very similar story to first kid. Although spy kids has a five year gain on it. Uh, what about you, Nick? I have never seen spy kids. Before. Whoa! I was a sophomore in high school when this movie came but out. You have and- kids. <clears throat> yeah. No. It was it, it. It completely. I missed it. It just got it. So cartoons. I, cool, I actually Spy did Kids, see Spy Kids, directed 3. by Robert Rodriguez. You saw Spy Kids. That's the one you saw. Here's why. It was a double feature at a drive-in. We, me and my friends, went okay. to see Pirates of the Caribbean one summer at the oh, drive-in. That's a weird combo. It was. It was Spy Kids was the first movie. And let me tell you, there's nothing like a quasi 3D movie as the sun is still setting outside <laughs> in the daylight almost. It was awful. Like, we barely even watched it. Like, I remember, was that, was Khan in that one? Yes. Uh, R- Ricardo Montalban was in that one? Yes. And, and, and Stallone, right? Yep, and Stallone, yes. yep. Yeah, okay. So I remember vague bits and pieces of that. And, and, and Elijah thinking, Wood. Oh, that's right. Elijah Wood was in there. It was the one. It was the one. Selena Gomez. So, yeah. yeah, No way Selena Gomez was in that movie. I'm 90. Keep keep going, Nick. I I will fact check that. Let's see. Uh, So, I saw bits and pieces of that. And at at that point, I knew I was not missing out on anything. So, Spy Kids just left my consciousness and went away. And then as I got older, I learned that, you know, I know I discovered who Robert Rodriguez was and I saw some of his movies and that one always was a big question mark for me. Like, wait, he made Spy Kids too? The guy who does all the bloody stuff, the guy who did From Dusk Till Dawn made Spy Kids. So I, but I just, I never had any inkling to watch it. And uh, so I watched it for the first time two nights ago and oh boy, I did not like this movie. But with a caveat, I think if the graphics weren't as awful as they were, I might have really liked it because the CG in it is just so made for TV Disney Channel movie of the early 90s that I just it kept taking me out like every time it looked like they filmed whole half the movie in front of a green screen. And that works when you're George Lucas and you have a budget of, you know, a billion dollars. But when you're making a spy kids movie, if you don't have the money, don't do you need more practical effects. And it just, it was awful. Just, it just kept taking me out. So I, 
I, I say give it a Star Wars style special edition, improve all the computer graphics, and I think I might really like the movie. But otherwise, I was, it's just okay. It's just okay for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you, do you land in just okay or don't I'm, like I'm, this movie? I'm landing in just okay because there was okay. enough there that, like, I, like, Carla Gugino and, um, and, Antonio Banderas. Uh, Antonio Banderas are great Cheech together. Marin. Cheech Marin is so funny in it. And Danny Trejo, Robert Danny, Patrick. Danny How Trejo did they get Robert Patrick Machete? for this movie? <laughs> How did they get Robert Patrick for this like, movie? This is Very still funny. the movie I think of when I think of Alan Cumming. Uh, yeah, Tony yeah, Shaloub, me too. Mike Judge. Tony Shalhoub was great. Dick like, Clark, Richard Linklater. Richard Linklater. <laughs> Mike Richard Judge, too. Yeah. And they oh got, my gosh, I and miss like those you, guys. Like you said, they're like, we need somebody uh, to play the president with a black bar over his eyes for two seconds. Who should we get? George well, Clooney. What do you think Clooney's doing? <laughs> well, it's because there's the Robert Rodriguez connection. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, why, that's, why Robert, that's why there's all these cameos is because Robert Rodriguez, you know, having doing – because he did uh, Desperado and mm-hmm. uh, um, El Mariachi uh, and uh, From Dust Till Dawn, like, dude was like – Man, I don't think he's ever gotten enough credit. Um, no, he, he he's still a great director. He still does great stuff. And I'm very looking forward to the Book of Boba Fett because apparently he's like the showrunner for it. So like that'll be really great. He, he oh, I didn't know that. He doesn't he doesn't miss very often. But uh, I mean, yeah, he does obviously because <laughs> like, look, you can call Machete what it is, but it's three. bad. Well, uh, <laughs> it's planet, planet, planet Terror. <laughs> I love Planet Terror. How dare you? Uh, I really like Planet Terror. Um, I, I'm going to say I saw Planet Terror before I should have. Like oh, he, I didn't, oh, I didn't did, quite uh, have a, I didn't quite have an extensive film knowledge at that point, so I didn't quite get what he was doing. But I think if I went back and rewatched it, I'd probably enjoy it. All right, humor me for just one second. Robert Rodriguez's career in terms of films goes El Mariachi and then uh, Desperado, then From Dust Till Dawn, then The Faculty. Second week in a row, the faculties come up on this podcast. And then Spy Kids, Spy Kids 2, Spy Kids 3. Then he finishes out the Mariachi trilogy with Once Upon a Time in Mexico. And then does Sin City, Planet Terror, and Machete. Machete kills. Spy Kids 4, Machete kills. Sin City 2. Like. And then he uh, is just running that From Dust Till Dawn series. And then, Alita uh, Battle Angel. And then Alita Battle Angel and, and Mandalorian. Like, honestly, like, sure, Spy Kids 3 is in there. And Sin City is what uh love it or hate it one of the two um that's he's got a really solid really underappreciated career yeah he Um, does so uh i mean i don't love any of those movies but i i like them i like a lot of them uh, although i think i do love alita battle angel i low-key love that movie I didn't realize somebody could low-key love that movie. <laughs> That's certainly not the impression the internet gives me. Oh, no. I'm so disappointed that that movie is not going to get a sequel ever. Um, I... I really like the Mariachi trilogy. Uh, probably Desperado is the best. I probably would venture closest to saying that. That's probably the one... <sighs> I have I have the most fun and what what to watch from dusk till dawn the most, um, but I think probably Desperado's his best movie. So, um, all right. So Nick is gonna land and it's just okay. 
Uh, Jake, where are you going to land? I really liked it. I had so much fun. <laughs> uh, yes. Like, nothing you... Like, I, I do think there are moments with the green screen. Like, the chase is just atrocious. Like, the chase on the jetpacks are terrible. But, like... Some of the green screen isn't terrible. The virtual room. That's a lie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no. The virtual yeah. room is great. Yeah. All right. Yeah, the okay. virtual, when, when it's static, oh. it's not bad. <laughs> right. Like, right. Any of the action scenes with green screen. Yes, they're, they're atrocious. But like, I just had so much. I was sort of doing what you guys were doing with the first kid. Oh, I remember this part. And this is where yeah. he also tries to punch the pillar. She's like, you're not that strong, Junie. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I was just remembering everything that happens in this movie. So I had a big smile on my face. Um, I, I enjoyed myself. You know what? I'm gonna land right in the middle of you two. Uh, I'm it, like, I'm gonna be like right on the border of okay and liked it. Uh, if you make me pick one, I'm gonna go say I liked it because at the end of it, um, it finished at 4:55 and we were planning to record at five. Um, <laughs> I I really just wanted to pop in Spy Kids too. Like I really just wanted to, so like that's why it's like look it did its job. If if I still want to go back and watch the others. Um, so I'll, so I'll go ahead and say liked it, um, officially a very low side of liked it. Cause, um, the graphics hold up, um, worse than almost any movie I've ever seen in my entire life. This is 2001. This movie had a budget, like, you know, they, they chose to do a lot of CG and I, I was, I was literally wondering like, is my internet just really bad or is this, is these graphics just bad? But like, I wasn't experiencing buffering issues and it was only on CG shots. So it's like, Oh no, this is just bad. Got it. Um, in the uh, same year that Scooby Doo the movie came out, <laughs> if you this, can't uh, do better than those CG monsters, then that's that's not good. That's true. That's true. Um, Some were terrible. Mostly, um, you. I knew that she was in the, when he ran into her in the thumb costume. I knew that oh, that course. was her because yes. it was clearly a, a costume and not CG. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and you have the. Uh, um, that 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 the room that they film everything in. You're right. When it's on, it, it looks kind of good, especially in that like the very final one where we get Floops turned into a good guy, I guess, which is totally unearned. Um, but uh, but but yeah, Jake Jake like when he when he when he when he when he makes the F with the hand, I was like, oh, he did he, like this is this. Oh, and I just like uh, like I like who is a kid after seeing that movie didn't do the gum thing every time they chewed gum. Like, you wanted to eat gum in gumball form after that movie. Because you wanted to pretend you had the electrical gum that they use in this movie. Dude, I was getting such bad nostalgia vibes for... I'm pretty sure... You remember how, like, there was a big craze for lots of different, like, food chains to try to do things? I'm... I know Burger King always like tried to do toys, like they tried to do what McDonald's was. I don't know if they still do, but they tried to like turn movie toys as opposed to just like here's a random toy for a Happy Meal. And gosh, I remember if you guys even remember at one point Burger King was doing Backstreet Boys CDs 
Red, blue, yellow, and green. Oh, we probably uh, we were Backstreet Boy fans, so we oh, yeah. probably did that. Um, but like, I, no, I remember like I had like three or four of the toys from this movie. <laughs> dude, I was trying to like until you said that that was nowhere in my notes. But I think I remember getting a Happy Meal for this. Like it would have been like obviously based on the product placement, it wouldn't have been a Burger King. It would oh, have yeah. been a Happy Meal toy because like they literally automatically nuke McDonald's. But I think I remember that. I remember getting a Happy Meal. Yeah, no, it is. um, You're right. The the Spy Kids toys for Spy Kids 1 and 2 in Happy Meals. You're absolutely right. I I can honestly say, if this movie had come out 10 years sooner, and I saw it when I was 10, I would love this movie. Like, because spy stuff was so cool. It was... And everything in the movie, like, I'm watching it and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I would have eaten this up as a kid. But well, it yeah. just wasn't. It just wasn't clicking for me as an adult. It's, it's like, well, that's like when I had the nostalgia. Like I have this nostalgia, so I have that buy-in. But that's one of the things I found fascinating, aside from the fact that you realize how stacked the cast is, which you didn't know as a kid. Um, one of the things that becomes glaringly obvious um, is like how much of a well, two things. One, like you were talking about, um, like this is so much an homage to those old spy films. Like they're very much doing the thing with everything. It's so much a kid's take on all that. And I definitely didn't pick that up um, as a kid. There are so many little references, like the evil lair and the henchman being Mr. Minion. He's literally... Mr. Minion. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's it's so good. Yeah. And, um, like, it's also totally a Robert Rodriguez movie. Yeah. Like, I've seen a couple uh, Rodriguez movies since. I obviously hadn't seen any before Spy Kids, but he pulls off very much his version of very much a spy movie. And it's not something I picked up on as a kid. So um, I want... I want more like Robert Rodriguez kids movies. Um, yeah. You know, I, I I mean, I guess maybe I kind of walked back on that because he did Spy Kids four, but like that was you know that, maybe yeah. maybe a nice fresh new IP like just you know like what else does he love? Give me some of that. Yeah, like I mean, clearly you know he wrote he loves... and directed this one, so it yeah. was clearly a labor well, of love for him. Yeah, find another film niche you can bury yourself in, and and sort of give me a kids movie of that. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, yeah, I, it's from from the very beginning when they're telling the opening scene of like describing how they met and got married and all that. I was just like, all right, I gotta get myself back in this mindset because there's like so much of this that like I didn't remember pretty much any of that. Um, but obviously, I knew that they were the parents. Um, but it was just like I forgot forgot all of the like sequence that they did until it got to the wedding. I'm like, I'm pretty sure helicopter stormed this wedding. Um, <laughs> well, and I, I hate it when notice, helicopters ruin my wedding. Well, right? I didn't notice this. It's definitely something I didn't notice before, but they decapitate the bus at the wedding with the helicopter chopper blades. Like they've got right. the pillars with the heads and it decapitates the heads. How did, how did they get that wedding to happen where everybody was just kind of cool 
with helicopters are storming us, and the bridesmaids well, are like helping them get spies. on parachutes. They're all like, spies. That's yes, exactly. <laughs> but spies aren't supposed spies. to be friends with other spies. That's the point. <laughs> no, when your when your spy friends get married, they invite you to the wedding. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, it's, got it. It's an obligation. It's 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 like the Continental. No yeah, spying yeah, yeah. allowed. To no happen spying at weddings. We're all friends here today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My wife was still watching it. Uh, I had turned it on. She usually is like, "All right, well, I'm leaving," but she stayed for a little bit. And after they parachute onto the boat, and she's like, how is that getting them away from the helicopters any quicker? Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, helicopters can't fly down to the water, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, and this is where I'm going to sound totally hypocritical, or at least why nostalgia is so important. Like, think of how ridiculous this movie is. Yeah. I did not buy a second of that in First Kid, but like <laughs> I'm nostalgic for this movie. So I'm like, hell yeah, cement spray. Yes, <laughs> sure. You can get away on the C- convenient and... bat belt that has everything, you know, right. acid crayon. Yeah. Oh no, my favorite was at the beginning when the, uh, when the husband and the wife are in the room talking and she she like hits the little button and her chair just goes on this track back to him so she can like add him like side eye him like are you sure i'm like get stand up and walk you don't have to have spy gadgets on everything no it was so funny yeah, the keyboard was another thing we totally <laughs> pretended we had. Like, we oh, yeah. had the keyboard, yeah. but it's makeup and the other thing. Yeah, it's... <laughs> everybody pretended they had gadgets for this movie. Yeah, uh, for sure. The gadgets were fun, though. I have to yeah. say, I mean, of all the bad CGI, some of the cool CGI was, like, the gadgets, like, the things that would, like, flip up and do the things. And some of the stuff was practical, but it... it I like I liked the aesthetic, like the world building in the movie was actually really cool because you could tell that he had put a lot of thought into, okay, well, here's how the spies work and here's the agency that they they work at and and here's the tech that they have and it was all made by the brother and and so machete like was, industries was machete. by the way so the <laughs> fact that this could still be in the machete universe I oh boy so. his character took a dark turn right. <laughs> or it was a prequel and it, he got better oh perhaps oh. Uh, <laughs> anything with Danny Trejo is gonna be great though he's always fun that's true. That's true. Um, I, I, look, I got to talk about the terrible puns in this movie. <laughs> where where Robert Patrick is there, and they introduce the thumb thumbs, and he's like, mm, I guess he's all thumbs. And it's like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, oh, my favorite pun. I was hitting the pun. button. Another! <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The, 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 although the one pun I was waiting for, I'm like, oh... That must be in the sequel, because the one pun I was waiting for was the, oh, how can we have kids swear? Oh, she didn't say the S word. She said shiitake mushrooms. Oh, yeah, no, that was in this one. That was in this one. I laughed, I laughed a good hard time oh, at that right. one. I was like, ah. I was Yeah. I'm like, oh. And it's just like, we tried that, and it did not work well. So, Yeah. <laughs> Your parents know exactly what you're doing. No. They knew what you <laughs> wanted to say. Yeah. They saw the movie too. Like, no. You still get in trouble. But it was Shitake. No, you we saw the movie too. No 
second Dreamcast for you. Like that, that pro tip that does not work if your parents have seen the movie. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm pretty okay. sure nobody listening to this podcast is is yeah. young enough that their parents are still today. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love uh, the running gag of how all the men had fake mustaches on. <laughs> like they always wore fake mustaches when they were in the field. It's so amazing. Yeah, because he's like, by the way, I'm not your uncle. And then he puts it back on. And it's like, what did that do? Like, like Tony Shalhoub takes his off too. I was like, why was he wearing one? I, I understand Antonio Banderas ha- having one when he's in the field because at least it gives him a little bit of cover or maybe it like helps him identify this persona or whatever. But it's like, Everybody like is just it's like well, this doesn't affect anything. Yeah, Especially if you're just gonna put it back on. Carla G- uh Yeah, when Carla like Gugino took through... off her mustache. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's going through like elaborate costume changes oh, yeah. and wigs and sunglasses. The guys are like, but if we have a mustache Yeah, because yeah, yeah, because really? the guy's just like the guy's just like, oh, I have a mustache. And she's like, my hair instead of curly is slicked back. And I'm wearing tighter fitting clothes. And like, I, I've got this whole sex appeal thing going for me now. Which like, look, you always did. You're calling Gugino. So um, yeah, like it's, it, you're right. They did so much to to change her. And all the guys just get mustaches. It's just a mustache. Uh, mustaches like it, or like mustaches. A yeah. mustache in a spy movie is the uh, teenage rom com equivalent of ponytail and glasses. Oh yeah, or or the <laughs> or or the equivalent of a plain black baseball hat in the MCU. <laughs> there you go. Um, so I don't know who that is. He's wearing a black baseball cap. Yeah, and sunglasses. Of, yeah, speaking of MCU, like uh, we also realized how much of a trailblazer Robert Rodriguez was. Because before you got sick and tired of Marvel being same versus same villain fights seven years before Iron Man. What if it was exactly the same kids, but super powered <laughs> robots? Same, same. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, all right. So like we've spent a lot of time talking about a lot of things, but I still I feel like I have to justify why I didn't really love this movie. And it's all because of the relationship between the two kids. I don't think they have any chemistry together. And the way that they were written, it was literally just them bickering the whole movie. And it got it real annoying real quick. Um, so you don't so, have kids then I take it no and I don't really plan on it because that this was is what the it's most like, true part of the movie to me like I was like I, I totally believed that these two were brother and sister they or they just oh they just stop it's like oh I'm gonna I get that it's realistic bickering. but nothing else about this movie is realistic so why is that the one thing <laughs> that you tried to ground in reality so I, I don't it just it got real annoying real quick and I was just like I'm really over this and they they don't seem to ever really settle their differences you know there because there's that like you know push the blue button then the green button just like he's like all right green button let's go and she's like you never do anything right it's like look he is an idiot but like you're being a bit dramatic <laughs> like, um, correct you know, me if I'm wrong he does get like more spy centric in the uh, sequels right like he's he becomes a by, better spy by the time that the spy kids 2 takes place um they are like full-blown uh, like okay. trained like slick suave i think doing missions with their parents by the time that spy kids 2 starts they're like it's like year yes. two for them they're they they don't like they are obviously still in training but they are very capable and all that and then in three they're gods 
Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but, so yes, uh, and I that that dynamic didn't like. I really loved the chemistry because, like, maybe it's just the house I grew up in. But I I grew up in a super sarcastic household where our parents gave it to us, we gave it to each other, we gave it back to our parents. So I was very much at home in this family dynamic. Yeah, I look I, like I get that it's realistic and all that, but I just I, I don't know. I didn't. It, it it felt maybe it was editing or something like that. I don't know. It just it didn't necessarily feel like they were actually playing off each other. It was just that the script was written well if you're trying to portray realistic twelve and ten year old siblings, right? That's fair. Like, and they had some kid actor moments too, which and, which look, two thousand one yeah. and kid actors like not gonna disparage them because they're kids or anything yeah. like that. But um uh, they're, but, they're new to the business. It's not but, like this is their twentieth movie. But let's talk about let's talk about for the second time on this nostalgia episode of adult male leads that look like they're having a blast. Antonio Banderas is a delight in this movie, and he's honestly, a lot of fun, yeah. And honestly, again, his chemistry with Carla Gugino is she's also having a lot of fun too. But their chemistry is is great. I, I really love them together. Yeah, so. he is having so much fun. He understands the assignment. Like, yes. He is so, like, it's over the top in a perfect way. Yes. He, he hits the tone perfectly. And like, like I said, Alan Cumming, he is still fluke to me. And I've seen so many better movies than Spy Kids that have, like, X-Men 2 is a better movie than this. Yeah. I don't care. Alan Golden Cumming eye. Yeah. is fluke. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, there's a lot that's kind of about this movie. It's just I don't know. There's just not the the practical effects are one thing, but because even in 2001 they had to have been bad, uh, and this yeah. was not a small budget movie. So yeah, I don't think it was so much as it was just bad. I think it was because it was so much of it. Like this was a very intensive movie like well, it, it's probably so both and Robert Rodriguez is a very practical director so I think he was way out of his element that's probably why I was like oh yeah. let's just do a kids movie in that way like because who's really gonna care if the kid movie had bad visual effects like so I mean but like Once Upon a Time or uh, Desperado um, from Dust Till Dawn like very practical heavy mo- heavy movies all that the, the faculty um, all that like very practical movies this is really his first time dabbling in CG so Yep. Whatever. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it. I, I really didn't like. Once you get to the jetpack scene, is when it gets like super noticeable, and then they got the playground, and yeah. There so, was yeah. there was a moment I'm where I'm not gonna try to say this movie's great, and the no. CGI is a big reason why. There was an establishing shot of Floops Island, the first time we ever see it. And it starts to move in close. And I legitimately thought that I was watching this movie on a DVD on my PlayStation 2, like <laughs> hooked up with AV cables. That's that's legitimately what it looked like. Well, that first Maybe even PlayStation when, 1. When Junie is sitting in the window, like it looked like, you know, in Jurassic Park when she's on the computer and it's showing like the very rudimentary CG graphics. It looked like that. And then yeah. they just digitally put a little live still of her in the window. I'm like, this is so bad. What is going on? But yeah. I, I mean, I still stand that if they went and they updated all the graphics, I think that this movie would play a whole lot better because 
I think the CG just takes you out of it. It and yeah. that's what that's really what ruined it for me because it's like, ooh, this is this is bad, especially for all the talent involved. Right. It wouldn't be it wouldn't make it a great movie, but it would make it significantly more watchable. Yeah. If tell you what, if they release Spy Kids on 4K, I'll be the first person to buy it. You know, <laughs> and what else? You know, during co- like during COVID, what else are you going to do except remaster old movies? But right, you know, I guess if he's doing Book of Boba Fett, like I guess you do. No, that. He's busy. Yeah, he's yeah. I'd I'd rather you do Book of Boba Fett than remaster Spy Kids. Um, so uh, release the Rodriguez cut. <laughs> release the Rodriguez. No. Uh, this is very much this is very much the Rodriguez cut. This is very much true. And I I think, you know, this is like I was saying, I think this movie's helped by the fact that like it because I watched this after First Kid. I watched him back to back Tuesday night and I loaded it up, saw the runtime, and I'm like, yes, this is a 90-minute movie. It should be a 90-minute movie. It does because, like, this movie ends, like, like, and we're done. Like, great, moving on. Like, this is exactly as long as it needs to be. So. Yeah, exactly. Yep, I agree. Because uh, there was this one point, like, because I was kind of cutting it short on time, and I was just like, "All right, we're supposed to record in ten minutes, but like, this doesn't feel like it has ten minutes left." And sure enough, it did. And that was like, like, and I meant that like, it feels like there should be 30 more minutes, not it feels like it should have been done 10 minutes ago. I was just like, there's no way they're going to finish this because they got to do this and this and this and this and this in like five minutes. Nope, they did it. So they were um, like, but what if we don't do those things? Or what if we do it all at once and just do it (laughs) bad? Uh, So, um, all right, Jake. Are you recommending this movie and who are you recommending it to? Yes, I am. But I have a feeling it's sort of the same scale I did. I think this and the first kid are in the same boat. I think if you remember um, this movie as a kid, I think A, it holds up. And I think there are like Robert Rodriguez things and like spy movie things that you're going to be able to pick up and you can forgive some of the CGI stuff. I don't know how well you're going to forgive that if you don't have the nostalgia. But um, I think if you're a Robert Rodriguez fan, though, I think this could also be fun because it is still very much a Robert Rodriguez so if you're a Robert Rodriguez fan who hasn't seen Spy Kids, I say maybe give this a shot too. So. Yeah, I'll pretty much mimic whatever mimic what you said. I mean, like this this didn't make Stop my copying me, Aaron. This didn't make my memory of the first movie or of the movie like any worse. Um, you know, and it, and it didn't necessarily improve it either. Um, uh, and yeah, it, it, there's a good amount of fun. And if you're a Robert Rodriguez fan, there's lots of really fun stuff in here. Um, the visual effects don't hold up. And I, I don't know if you don't have a history, if you'd really like this, but obviously Nick's the exception um, or, or we're just making bad assumptions for people. So, you know, uh, well, and you said your opinion didn't change. Like when I went through and started adding stuff that I hadn't seen in forever. So I hadn't re- hadn't had a rating in i was guesstimating 
at what I thought Spy Kids was a few months back, and I had it at like, we'll give this three and a half because it's fun. I really like it, but it's not great. Yeah, I think I'll have fun with it. I'm not changing my rating after this. This movie held up exactly like I thought it was. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably go a three on Letterboxd. So, yeah. solid three. Uh, Nick, are you recommending this movie and who are you recommending it to? Uh, yeah, I'm going to recommend this movie to pretty much anybody who's got kids. I It might not be one that you'd want to watch, but it definitely is one that your kids will love. I, I, I'm probably going to bite the bullet and put it on for my kids and see if they like it and then have to suffer through it again. But I think... Uh, I think with kids watching it, whenever whenever mine sit down and really love something, I, it it kind of bumps it up in my estimation over time. Like I first saw Wreck It Ralph, and I was only like okay on it, and it's one of my favorite movies now because my kids just fell in love with it. So I, I think this is one of those where it's right up their alley. The kids are their age. It it's going to be one of those things where if you're a kid, you'll love this movie. And by association, if you're a parent, you'll love that your kids love this movie. Good. Um, well, let's. Uh, that's a good time. That's a good time. Uh, let's let's move on to the best ever uh, spy movies that we have. Um, so we just thought, you know, first kid has the Secret Service stuff working for it. So somewhat espionage there. It's more like bodyguard stuff, but spy kids have to spy. You know, why not do spy, best ever spy movies? So, um, um, we have uh, we have a best ever challenge. We'll do this traditional Sif Pop style. So, top five Trump rules. Um, uh, a couple honorable mentions. Um, and, uh, yeah, we can do this. Um, I'll start us off. Uh, my number five spy movie is Burn After Reading. Uh, this is... Honorable mention? Yeah. Uh, this is sneakily, like, probably my second favorite Coen Brothers movie. I, I, I've seen it probably the most times, but I think Oh Brother Were Out That I Was Better. Um, and probably I like it a little bit more. Um, but I love Burn After Reading. Uh, I think everybody in this role is terrific, especially George Clooney and Matt Damon. Uh, but obviously Francis McDormand um, and the dad from stepbrothers i forget the actor's name uh Lucky everybody Jenkins. in this movie yes yes uh everybody in, the, in this movie is hilarious this is coen brothers at their wittiest and funniest and uh gosh this movie's just iconic and terrific and malkovich is great too so jk simmons line at the end of that movie gets kills me every time what did yeah. we learn well, we learned not uh, to do it again. That's what <laughs> I lose it every time. We learned not to do what again? <laughs> it's it's the perfect ending to that movie, and it's just absolutely amazing. Yeah, this is one I might have to give a rewatch, because uh, the first time I watched it, uh, back to our blockbuster blockbuster discussion, uh, our parents are like, "Let's let's." I think I was a teenager, like oh, middle no. school maybe. And they're like, let's watch Burn After Reading together. Uh, don't do that. Don't no, watch that's that not movie. one you want to watch with your parents. So um, we didn't make the, it. To... The sex chair. Yeah, we didn't make and it. And not just the, the sex chair, but the elaborate way in which he builds it. Yeah, we didn't. Uh, funny enough. And it has we didn't no make purpose. It to the end. Yeah. 
we didn't make it to the end of the movie because uh, we got to the reveal of the sex chair, and after we stopped dying of laughter, uh, my mom <laughs> got up, went to the DVD player, and said, I think that's enough for that. So, oh, mom. Uh, oh, but you didn't get to the, to the Clooney and Matt Damon finally meet scene. Yeah. Oh, my God. I saw that in the theaters. Never been more shocked by a moment in a movie. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, and this movie, by the way, plays so well on rewatches because uh, there's lots of lines about like Clooney, like, oh, I never discharged my firearm. And, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's my number five, is Burn After Reading. Um, <clears throat> uh, Nick, what about you? My number five is Get Smart. Okay. I- I've thought about putting this on honorable mention, but this would be a nostalgia pick for me. I don't know if it's actually good, but I saw it in theaters and saw it a lot of times on DVD. I it's have good very enough. fond memories of it. Okay. I, I really had a blast. It's with better this than one. Burn After Reading? There's no way it's better it's than Burn not. After Reading. It is for me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're very different movies. Yeah, both, yeah. They shared the only connection of they're both spy movies. And I, I just really enjoyed Get Smart. Uh, it, it's possible that it has like a dozen nods to James Bond. And one of them is Moonraker. Like they literally do the skydiving scene. The the big dude does, he lands without a parachute, just like Jaws and Moonraker. And Moonraker is one of my top five favorite Bond movies of all time. Well, actually it might've gotten bumped out of five because of no time to die, but it is in their top 10 Bond movies for me. Cause I just love that one. I mean, everyone is just great. You've got, uh, Oh, Zod. Why am I blanking on his name? Terrence Stamp. Terrence Stamp. He is the villain, and he is just so great as the villain, as Siegfried. And then Alan Arkin is the boss. The scene where they they're in the crash, and the giant like swordfish goes through the glass. He's like, "What are you thinking?" He's like, "I'm thinking, oh shit, oh shit." There's a oh sorry, there's a there's a swordfish in my face, <laughs> and uh, it's just I crack up every time I watch this movie because he's so. It's just so full of dad jokes and he Maxwell Smart is so dumb, but it's just it's so funny and everybody in it really works well together. Yeah. Nice. Corral's I think was a great choice for that role. I remember having a fun time with it. So yes. uh, Jake, what's your number five? Uh my number five. Uh by the way, four of these five are in my top one hundred, and I think Number five, I'm going to have to readjust to get that in there, too. So I really love all these movies. Yeah. Um, I'm going with Born Ultimatum. I'll trump that. I would trump that, too. Oh, okay. Well, I had it at number four. So is it Me your too. number four, Nick? Okay. <laughs> Let's talk that. about it. <laughs> uh, this is clearly the best Born movie by a long shot. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and probably the most spy as well. Yeah, for me, I think um, what puts it over the other two is I think the CIA villains are my favorite in this. I love the whole, you know, totally has an eye on Pam Landy the whole time. That's a great running bit. And David Strathairn is my favorite of the, you know, interchangeable you know, CIA mm-hmm. people at the top. Um, I think, I really do think, because they're all really good, but I think it's the quote-unquote villains that put this one over the top for me. 
Nice. Um, yeah, no, this is a, just got a lot of good espionage in it. It's got a lot of... Um, uh, I mean, Matt Damon's like really hit his stride. Uh, this really feels like a good like part two to Supremacy, um, part three to the trilogy. Um, uh, it it finally it, this is a this is a franchise that sets up a lot of answers and pays off so well um, in Ultimatum, and it's just a shame that they ruined it with a yeah. very mediocre <laughs> Jason Bourne. Yeah. yeah. Um, although I like Bourne Legacy, like, if they wanted to continue kind of in the world of Jason Bourne without yeah. Bourne, I'd have been happy. Yeah, uh, the I, I was perfect. Like yeah. the good version of New Position. Like yes. ah, <laughs> and then the music kicks in and it's over. It's fantastic. I, I will yeah. say that I think Supremacy has the best ending because he it's that part in the middle of Ultimatum where he's talking to Pam yeah. Landy and it, it he goes, You should get some rest, and then it does the and it's like, oh my god, that's a great ending. But uh, you will always have me if you do something like that, where the middle of your movie syncs up with the end of the previous one. Like, just as a through line for the whole series, all three of them, it just, they, the way they connect, just, I love it. It's anything that's really connected like that just will always have me going, it's an A+. Plus. Yeah. Um, all right, so then we're at your number four, Jake. Uh, looking forward to getting trumped again, because my number four is Inglorious Bastards. Trump. Okay. Um. Oh, totally counts. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. Michael Fassbender's a spy. Yes. Yes. That, that scene okay. alone is why put, it's on my list. I put it on my list, and because, but I was like, well, but the bastards aren't really spies. They're they're yeah. brutes. They're mercenaries. But I forgot. Uh, Yes, you're absolutely right. This counts. This would have been my number two. Okay. Um, yes. Well, I we'll get to done. it later. Is this your number? This this will be... Uh, my number three or your number three? Aaron's three. Okay, my three. Uh, I have Jojo Rabbit here. Uh, oh, I did not because Scarlett Johansson is a spy. Uh, um, yeah, that's a great... I guess I sort of saw her as resistance. Yeah, that's how I saw it too, but I didn't Uh, even think mm, of the movie. I'm not going to argue with it because I love that movie. Well, at the very least, the the husband is a spy then. And that's a very important, like, plot element of what's going on. Yeah, I'm not arguing. This would be my number one if I had even thought of it because I love that movie. I thought this was was one of those that I mentioned, like, look, I I think there's a case. I I wouldn't... uh, There's probably a little pushback, but I I think... uh, um, I, th- I think there's enough elements here. Um, oh, it's definitely that, uh, allowed. Any any list that has Jojo Rabbit on it is an okay list. Yeah. Uh, so- this is this is a brilliant movie. I love it more and more every time I see it, every time I think about it. Um, the, I think um, it was my third favorite of the year, just behind Knives Out and Endgame. Um, I, th- I think that's still the case. Uh, but honestly, like it's like 40 of all time for me. Yeah, it's that's in my top 100 too. And the... The Heil Hitler scene somehow manages <laughs> to both be one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen and one of the most tense scenes I've ever yes. seen in a movie. And that's the that's the balancing act Taika Waititi is pulling off that entire film. It's just brilliant. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, so that leads to Jake's number three. Uh, I think we're at Nick's number three, aren't we? Because his was bet. Wait, what was yours? 
Mine was bl- my my number three is Inglorious Bastards. Okay, whatever. You You're first. Three. <laughs> Did I get the order switched around? I couldn't. I thought you went first. Did Nick go first? I Sorry, went first. I think, yeah. So it's Nick's number three. Okay. okay. So then now we're at Inglorious Bastards. Yes, we're good. So yeah, I that that bar scene, the bar scene with Fassbender is. Uh, you want to talk tense? I yeah. in a movie that's incredibly tense. It's not even the tensest scene in the movie, but it's one of my favorites. I just the fact that they're just the back and forth the whole time and they've got the guns under the table at each other. And then even after the whole shootout and then they're back in the thing and they're like, what gave us away? And she's like, you held up three fingers, not with the thumb in German. We hold up these for three. And it's just like, ah, that's, I just, I love that scene from start to finish. And it's just so amazing. And that moment with the three is just set up brilliantly because the second he does it, it gets it gives you that shot of the commander and you're like oh you're like oh no no yep i uh, yeah. love it it's, yeah. it's so good i'm not i mean and like i said not even the most tense but then you've got more spy stuff later on when when you've got uh brad pitt and his italian accent Arriba Arriba <laughs> bon <Giorno. laughs> yeah he's so great oh my god Gorlami. <laughs> <laughs> see <Yeah. laughs> but yeah that that movie's fantastic that the best probably one of the best opening scenes of all time in any movie and just my favorite tarantino movie definitely yeah me too me too um all right so this will be my number two no jake's number three yep uh okay. this one i don't think i'll get trump because people like other movies other than this one more than this one but my favorite mission impossible is actually mission impossible three. Oh, okay i like uh, three more so than I most like three it's too not my favorite so yeah i philip seymour hoffman's great uh i'm a big fan of jj's work and well most of JJ's work. Um, <laughs> and I, Philip Seymour Hoffman's terrifying. They, I love um, sort of the, they give Ethan a relationship that he cares about, and it's just a more personal Mission Impossible. Like some of the stuff in the later ones are great, but for some reason, this one just ekes out the other ones in the series for me. Yeah, it's it's my favorite. Yeah, just because of the personal nature and just Philip Seymour Hoffman is just fantastic. So he's the best villain, I think. So, um, yeah. He is the most memorable villain, I think, of the entire franchise. Even though the yeah, one guy has two movies, Philip Seymour Hoffman crushes it. He's the best villain in the Mission Impossibles. Uh, so here we go. Here's my number two. Uh, I have the last Jedi here. Um, uh, I don't know. Is this a Saving Private Ryan thing? No, 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 no. no I think counts. that the whole Cantabite art is yeah, art is them trying to be spies on okay. the on the uh, the dark side ship. I think I think Star Wars involves a lot of spies. Yeah. Um, it, it's just we don't necessarily think of them as that way because they're they're Jedi movies. Um, Fair they're, they're Force movies, but no, I think I think there's always been even non-Jedi characters, there's a lot of espionage going on in almost all the Star Wars movies. And The Last Jedi one is, is my favorite Star Wars movie. So I knew I'd get a little bit of pushback on this one. Uh, or at least like 
Can you explain that a little bit? And yeah, I, think, I get it. It yeah. just wouldn't have made my list because I'm in the middle on this one, which I know doesn't generally exist. But like the Canto Bite and other sequences that I will literally skip when I'm watching it. But there's also agree that there's some of the most brilliant Star Wars work that I've ever seen. Yep. And I'm still pissed that they threw it away in the third. Because I like yeah, some I don't- Places. I don't know that Empire has much spying going on. Um, no, uh, not not even so much a New Hope. I think maybe not even the, the original trilogy. The prequels have a, f- a the little. The prequels, bit, but, um, yeah. the sequels, Jedi, and Rogue Jedi, One, I and guess Rogue if you want to count Jabba's yeah. palace scene with they, they uh, I guess like yeah. Lando was undercover in oh, there, yeah. but and that's I, a good chunk of the movie. So I guess yeah, that would... yeah, that's true. And, and and I didn't even necessarily even originally think of Last Jedi as a spy movie because I thought of Rogue One. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but then I thought about it. I was like, well, by the same logic, um, the Last Jedi is also. I and, guess uh, on the Death Star in A New Hope, they they put on the stormtrooper outfits. They're going undercover. Undercover is a big spy thing. I guess. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that's my number two. Um, so we're at Nick's number two. My number two probably will get trumped, but is Skyfall. Nope. No. Okay. I, see, I wasn't actually a hundred percent sure if I wanted to put Skyfall on there or a different Bond movie because I actually think that of all the Bonds, it's probably got the least amount of spy stuff in it because it's just, but it's just a beautiful movie. Like the cinematography in it is great. the The, the story is fantastic. I I just did a full Bond rewatch and I it probably would give it to one of the more Roger Moore ever ones as having the most spy stuff. But uh, uh, there's just something about that, that scene in the museum where he sits down and Q sits down next to him. He doesn't even know it's Q because it's some kid and he just hands him a gun and uh, the tracker. And he's like, that's it. And he's like, were you expecting an exploding pen? And it's just th- their interaction is just beautiful. And it's very, very spy in that moment. And so I, if I had to give it to any of the Bonds, I I picked my favorite Bond. So, yeah, I mean, I think you can classify any 007 film yeah. as a uh, um, as a spy film. Uh, and you're right; this one probably is on the lesser. But I think there's enough there that definitely, like, I have no hesitation. So, yeah, Skyfall's a great film. Great. Yeah, um, Jake, what's your number two? Uh, Kingsman. The okay. Uh, the first one or the second one? No, the first one. I still liked the second one, but I think it's a decent step down from the first one. Like, it's sort of like Spy Kids. It's such a love letter to spy movies. It's a love letter to the Roger Moore James Bond films. Yeah. Yeah, And ironically, I don't like Roger Moore's Bond, (laughs) but I love this movie. And it's it's fantastic. Uh, It's so ridiculous. I have so much fun. The Churchin Warner is just an amazing uh, action set piece. Um, I just have so much fun with this movie. That's all it comes down to. It's great. It was it's one great. of those movies that I completely missed that first year it was out. And then like about a year later, I caught it on DVD and I was just kicking myself for having skipped it because yeah. it just I had so much fun watching it. If this would not have gotten a sequel, I'd have been kicking myself because I also didn't get around to see it in theater. I'd have been kicking myself to be like, I didn't same same with like I didn't get around to seeing the nice guys in theaters. I was literally yeah. planning on going 
but it wasn't doing anything in the box office. And so it got pulled like two weeks in. It was like, I was going the next day. Like, mm. um, anyway. Uh, yeah, that leads us to our number ones. Um, I have Casino Royale, number one. Casino Royale is my favorite. Me too. Cool. Yeah, and um, Skyfall would have been on here. Like, it would have technically qualified inside yes. the top five. But with Casino Royale, you know, one per franchise. So Casino slightly edges out Skyfall. Yeah, and this, I mean, ultimately, I think this is going to be the great debate for... Um, yeah. For Bond fans, because I think we've officially, like, definitively, universally decided Craig is the best Bond and definitely has the best films. So it's just, is it Casino or Skyfall? Uh, and to me, it's very close. Before um, my most recent rewatch, it was Casino for me, too. I I think I still like watching Casino more than I like watching Skyfall because it's just more fun. But it, it, it'd be back and forth for me. They're both fantastic. Here's or Here's the way. I think they're both brilliant, excellent near perfect films um skyfall is like 48 of all time and casino royale is like 26 of all time for me um so here's what it come down to me uh when i saw casino royale in theaters i thought this is an okay movie and i've continued to love it more ever since um every single time i watch it i gain a more appreciation for it when i left the theater for skyfall i thought this is definitively the best bond film and one of the best films of all time um and I have never loved it that much. And I will never love it that much. Um, it, it's just Casino Royale is a movie that every time I watch it, I get a greater appreciation for it. And Skyfall is a film that I just stay at a consistent love of this film, um, but just doesn't grow. So, yeah, it um, um, it was my introduction to the character. Like, I hadn't seen the Pierce Brosnan Bonds, and by the time I saw Casino Royale, I'd seen the Bourne trilogy. So the fact that they sort of Bourne up Bond really got me connected to the character, and I've been in on all the Craigs ever since. So I think that's why this one holds a special place, just slightly ahead of Skyfall. It was my introduction, and it's yep. what got me hooked to it. So, I mean, this was the first time that I was like, pro- like a, probably like a free-thinking, competent, able to handle adult things in the Bond entry, you know, because like, I I'd watched all the Pierce Bronson films growing up, but like I was still 11 when Casino Royale came out. So like that's kind of about the age where you're able to handle the serious film. Um, so yeah. Um, so then it's just Nick's number one that's left. My number one is another mission impossible entry. It is ghost protocol. Oh, okay. This was uh this is my favorite mission impossible as well. It was just an honorable mention for me. I saw this movie for the first time in IMAX. Um, we we live in Pennsylvania, so I drove down to Philly uh, because the the Franklin uh, the Franklin has a, a dome IMAX where it's like the yeah. seats are literally like you got to like climb almost a ladder to get to your row, and the screen is just like right there. They that's had, how I saw the Last Jedi for the first time. Oh, those IMAX, IMAX dome is terrible. I hate <laughs> IMAX dome. I. I'm going to have to disagree just because look, it, I look, had so the, much fun with this movie. <laughs> look, the only thing is it warps the image. Yeah. Because, okay. because it's a curved screen. The, it's, it's, the curvature it's of a, the screen does yes. 
does do that. And and so I'm watching lightsabers that are supposed to be straight across the screen. Yeah, and, I could see. And they're all bending. Star Wars yeah. might not as be as cool like that. I, I, the audio is unparalleled. It was beautiful. I had yep. so much. And they showed us um, that was when they were doing the. If you go to see it in IMAX, you'll get to see the first 15 minutes of the Dark Knight and or right. the Dark Knight Rises. And we saw the airplane scene with Bane. So that that whole night was just magic for me. The 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 skyscraper scene, the dust storm was is so intense. Yeah. Uh, like that opening was great between the Sawyer from Lost doing the the mm-hmm. thing and getting capped at the beginning, and I'm like, whoa! I thought he was supposed to be in this, and then uh, the prison break, which yep. was really funny. And, uh, you know, the first Khalifa scene, oh, the whole thing, just from start to finish. I that that end where they use the cars and the thing to shoot him down. Like, that's just such a really clever, like, set yes. piece to come up with. And it just it was so I mean, fun. you got one of the most creative filmmakers out there, Brad yeah, Bird, working on it, like, obviously. Uh, yeah, this is my favorite Mission Impossible film. Um, I, it, it's it's to me, like, maybe the smartest as well. Um, and I think Rogue One or Rogue Nation and uh, Fallout are both incredible in their own right as well. But the the real kicker um, that makes this one of my favorite is is Renner's story. Um, you can kind of tell they were they were grooming him, but I think that Tom Cruise had so much fun because Brad Bird that he, you know, was like maybe I want to still still do this for a while. If you guys could just Poor make Jeremy him Renner. good, he can't. Know, he but, couldn't get his own Born. He couldn't get his own Mission Impossible. Uh, he couldn't get his own Hawkeye movie. He couldn't get his own. Uh, Aww. um you know uh so um but the whole like when you when you get that reveal of he was protecting ethan and they did the whole set and like when you find out all of his like it's it's just heartbreaking and uh to me really stands out as something special so yep um as far as honorable mentions i had the kingsman 2 in my honorable mentions um i think the kingsman 1 is more fun but i i appreciate the kingsman 2 more than i do the first one at this point even though it doesn't have the incredible gunfight in the church uh, i just love the golden circle so much the film um bruce greenwood is the president in that movie it's <laughs> that's right it's like <laughs> neck and neck um but i do like the second one more um and i want the four hour cut of that film that's apparently the assembly cut was four hours oh wow um yeah uh my other two that i had honorable mentions was zero dark 30 uh which is an incredible film uh, and argo which is also an incredible film yep so both good yep. ones uh do you want me to go with mine yeah, sure go ahead. i've got i've just got three i've got atomic blonde which just mm-hmm. that stairwell one shot alone was just yeah. amazing um Austin Powers, which yeah, yeah, I I was that was almost my number five, and I was like, you know what, I haven't seen this in so long that it's it's almost a nostalgia pick for me at this point. So would I, you I would you pick really the first film or one of the other films? The first one, the first one. I when I was growing up, I think I liked the second one better because it had more of the laughs and but it, yeah, it's a lot of the same jokes again, and like having rewatched it more recently, I was like, oh, this one's not as good but uh the first yeah. one definitely i mean all three of them are great spy movies it, they they mm-hmm. just take the piss out of james bond so completely that it's that they're fun i i kind of want to watch all three of them now that i've watched all the bonds because i want to just go back and see what i miss growing up as a kid sure and then my last one is enemy of the state yep i haven't I, seen this one but 
It's a really yeah, good Christmas good. movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got. A de- I'll run through these quick. Uh, I have a lot of fun with Man from Uncle. It's super rewatchable for me. Uh, Clear and Present Danger is actually oh, yeah. my favorite. How Jack Ryan. You, sir. Uh, so, uh, Winter Soldier is great. Um, yeah. The Debt is fun. I've never heard of that one. Uh, it's like an Israeli one. Sort of like okay. Munich, which is more heavy. Okay. Munich's good. Uh, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. Um, I need to reverse the slander on Body of Lies. That was given three weeks ago. That's really yeah. enjoyable. Um, no, it's not. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it, so now I don't know what to think. Uh, and Man, it's it's got everything that should be Ridley Scott directing uh, Russell Crowe and and uh, Leo. Uh, Leo Leonardo DiCaprio, and it should be incredible, and it's just boring. So good. Um, and then we talked about one that I thought about stretching on, and I didn't. Could you have argued Incredibles? Is a I thought movie? about that. I think there's an argument. It it would have been my number one if I would have felt like it. But I Mrs. Incredible like, oh. does go on a bit of a spy mission to save it's him. It's very James Bondy. Yeah. So I think there's an argument. I just didn't. I think it. you could probably count the Incredibles too, but I don't know that there's enough in Incredibles one. Still would have um, made number one, even if it's Incredibles. No, I I yeah. I'd movie fight you on that one. I th- I think you could count Incredibles one as a spy movie. I, yeah, I probably wouldn't like super veto it. I, I think there's enough with like Yo know, Bob is sneaking around from his family, there's but he's spy not elements. He's he's not a spy. He's a superhero. He's he's yeah. doing things kind of in the shadow slightly, but he, he's not a right. spy. And that's like, why I didn't. Yeah. That's why I'm like, there's so many of these I love that yeah. I'm just not going to worry about stretching to that. Yeah, I I think that would be a stretch. I wouldn't like super argue, but I I think probably. Honorable mentions is probably a more fitting place for it um, to be like, maybe have that discussion, but it's not officially on there. Let us know on Twitter. Yeah. Would you count it? Uh, That'd be fun. Well, there's our best ever challenge. uh, Top five spy movies from us. Uh, Maybe a little bit of leniency in there, but, uh, but also maybe not. I don't know. You be the judge. Uh, Actually, I'm the judge. I've made authority on this podcast. You can judge whether you accept it, but on this podcast, what I say goes. It's good to be um, the king. It is good to be the king. Uh, speaking of kings, uh, it's time for us to do the spinoff. Uh, so I want to know what's that one thing in pop culture you really want to tell everybody to either check out or to avoid. I saw The Last Duel in theaters on oh, so um, Tuesday. Um, I really liked this movie. Um, I don't love it. Um, and I think that movies with different vantage points elements are really interesting. This does that, obviously. Uh, if you've heard Sif Pop or any reviewer um, talk about the Rashomon style. Um, I really love like seeing the differences. To me, it just felt a little long, and it really felt like it didn't quite justify a two-hour, 24-minute runtime. Um, it, 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 I almost felt like, I don't, like, this, this isn't, there's not as much happening as I thought there was. I think the messages are great. I think um, the performances are incredible. Um, I think Jodie Comer doesn't get enough love. I mean, I, I know that people like really like her, but people have been talking about Ben Affleck being the standout. And no, Jodie Comer is. She's Jody incredible. Comer is having a heck of a year. Oh, yeah. Uh, a, ben a Affleck ha- is great. Heck of a couple months, actually. <laughs> um, uh, Jody, uh, ben Affleck is great in this role. I really love him, uh, him in it. But Jodie Comer is for sure the standout. She's incredible in this. 
um Ridley Scott this is among Ridley Scott's best it's just like uh it, it's a great film it just to me felt a little overlong for uh, I, I wish there would have been a little bit more things thrown in there um are you like uh, me I I saw it and my biggest complaint was that there were some scenes that there weren't enough scenes of the same thing happening from a different perspective where it's no. like you saw it from Matt Damon and then they didn't show that scene for the other two. And I was like, well, okay. no, because here's what I didn't, here's what I like kind of didn't want as soon as I heard it. You remember vantage point from like 2006? Yes. Like, but Dennis, I never saw Dennis it. Played, right. I saw, I remember seeing that one in the theater. That's my first like shared timeline kind of experience. Um, that movie is showing you the same roughly six minutes for an hour and a half. Mm. Um, and then kind of wrapping up with the conclusion. I like how there are timelines and they're only showing the important parts of the timeline that overlap, but they're also giving you additional contextual scenes. Um, right. I so. sort of felt that same way as Nick initially, but then I realized, no, they're showing you the most important scene for each of them. Yes. Yeah. And that differs from person to person. So yes. when I, when I realized that I'm like, I don't need the thing. Yeah. So, right. I, I guess I really was just looking for, there were certain ways that say Jodie Comer acted in Matt Damon's time that I because they didn't show us the same thing from her perspective it made me go okay well is that how she's is that are we to take it that was truth that was what happened from his perspective or because throughout the movie it felt like maybe she was being portrayed differently based on whose perspective it was and I, I felt I didn't get enough when it came time to be her perspective to really push me over the edge. But I also think that they made the mistake of telling us the truth too early in the movie. I think they should have shown us the truth as it were um, up to what actually like the event that caused it all. And then Mm -hmm. I think during the duel between Adam driver and, and Matt Damon, like right before the duel is decided, I think they should have then cut to what actually happened in that room. And then I think it would have had more of an impact because you would have been still to that point. I don't know who's right in this this case. I think, I think the movie's very clearly trying to say that Jodie Comer's um, retelling is the truth. And I, I, I wish that it did like you're saying, um, everybody brought in their biases. I wish it showed us the, I wish it showed us um, a narrative that is unbiased. That is the truth. I still think you get the same solution. Yeah. Um, I, I still think that is absolutely the case because even, because even when minor spoilers, I guess, even when it shows Adam driver's perspective on the rape scene in question, it's very clearly non-consensual. Yeah, um, I agree. It's just his perspective kind of shows it as, he thought it might have been non-consensual, but it's for her own good. It was more um, of a so, playful th- thing for him. Therefore, it makes it okay, right? Yeah. Um, and r- that is not the case at all. So even in his, so it is going to great lengths to tell you she was assaulted. And yes, uh, according yeah. to the way that the movie is portraying it, yes. But I, uh, I just kind of feel like by telling the truth, the whole end becomes a a battle between the men, and I feel like it kind of takes away from jody comer's whole sure. like arc there and just yes. what well, she has that's to go her through point, isn't it like i, I mean it i guess i guess they're, yeah i guess that they're makes... making it about them and yeah. not her 
and that's right and that's actually that's true to life in that scene where where she's where he's like i'm risking my life for you she's like no you're risking my life for your pride it's like yeah uh anyway i was expecting like i was expecting this to be like a a real strong contender for best picture of the year and i see this as a probably nominee um i i don't necessarily see this as getting a chance to win best picture they'll probably Um, give like a a supporting nod and that's about i don't know about that um i see probably matt damon getting it before affleck but uh um i think homer should for sure get an lead actress nomination for sure um might even give Ridley Scott a director, um, director nom, cinematography, um, art set design, um, Costumes. Uh, costume and makeup, stuff like that. Um, for sure. A um, lot, a lot of those achievements. Um, I think Adam Driver is giving a really great performance too, especially cause he has to play a guy who is always like, he's never likable. He's the um, one that has the most differences in each telling. So I feel like he is doing the most work there. So uh, anyway, I, I really like the last duel. I think you should check it out. It just it didn't quite meet my expectations, but that's on me. Uh, it's it's still objectively a really great film. So there's that. Um, Jake, why don't you go next? Okay, uh, you said you were the judge, so you've got a decision to make. Uh, you want a classic? You want a movie that I'm lower on, that everybody seems to love, a movie that I'm apparently the only one who enjoyed. Uh, let's do that third one. Yeah, do that. Okay. One. Uh, I watched Night Teeth last week. What even is that? Yeah, I don't know what that is either. Yeah, it's a Netflix horror thing uh, with vampires. It's got... Um, like a lot of the people you know are like the cameos. So Megan Fox, Sydney Sweeney, um, Theon Greyjoy. So some of the bigger people are more like cameos, supporting roles. So this kid gets is a driver for these two vampire chicks. He doesn't know they're vampires. Um, and he finds out and he has to drive them around. It's very like collateral-y type thing he has to drive them around all night and get them to their various destinations and look everybody hates this um there are no surprises here like every character is exactly the character you think they are i don't know what it is i had a really good time with this still and it's got like a two point five on letterbox so nobody likes this except me but <laughs> i had fun like it it must be the director because he did another netflix film uh with Maisie williams called Eye boy that nobody else liked but me so i don't know what this guy does to me because those are literally the only things i've seen that he's done i don't know why i had fun with it give it a shot it's netflix if you don't like it you know you just bail um i don't think this is as bad as everybody says it is give it a shot i had a lot of fun so but don't go in expecting like, oh, this is surprising. I've no, everybody's exactly what you think they are. There are no surprises, but I just had fun. So, cool. Um, is the movie that you don't love that everybody else does is Dune? No, <laughs> okay. the, it's uh, Titan. Got it. 
if you want to, if you want to hear Jake's thoughts on Dune, you can go to SipPop.com. He did the article for that. Uh, Nick, what is that one thing? Uh, my spinoff topic, uh, it's going to be a podcast. Um, it's a Star Trek podcast. So, uh, I don't know if Aaron, this one might not be for you, but, uh, it's, it's called the greatest generation. Um, it's by two guys named Ben and Adam. They, uh, they've been for the last like three or four years, they've been doing, um, essentially a rewatch of, they started with next generation, then they went on to DS nine and now they're currently on Voyager. Um, they have a second podcast called the greatest discovery where they watch all the, uh, the new Trek shows and it's just the most fun you could possibly have listening to a podcast if you love Star Trek. It's they've got great, great jokes that are not inside jokes. They're only inside jokes if you haven't seen Star Trek itself. But then they've got great inside podcast jokes. Uh, they've got great running gags on characters like uh, Worf's brother Kern loses his memory in DS9. So they have a running gag that he's like. Uh, an airline stewardess and like he works like TSA, but he doesn't remember anything. So like, it's just a, a hilarious podcast. I try to get everybody who likes Star Trek to listen to it because I need more friends who know the inside references that I'm now making about Trek, but uh, it's, uh, it's just a lot of fun. And uh, I highly recommend the greatest generation on uh, anywhere podcasts are listened to. Very nice. Um, well, thanks guys for hanging out with me. I, I really had a lot of fun. Um, I hope you guys did too. Yeah, it was um, great. Great time. Good. Uh, well, we'll uh, we'll do this again sometime. Uh, maybe together, maybe individually. We'll see. Uh, whatever you guys decide when the new schedule comes out. Um, for uh, next week, I'm talking Edge of Tomorrow and Alita Battle Angel. Uh, more Robert Rodriguez tomorrow. Or ne- next week uh, with uh, Joe and producer Phil. Um, and uh, in a month from now, we're doing nostalgia films. Uh, and so Vince is coming around and we're finally going to get around to chicken run since we had technical difficulties last time he was supposed to be on. So um, yeah, uh, chicken run for the nostalgia next month. Um, Edge of tomorrow and Alita battle angel next week. Um, connect with the show on social media, uh, connect with other shows on studio DNA um, at studio DNA.media or in your podcast player. Um, and uh, you can send us a question to explore during the V-Pot or get in contact with us to write for Sift Pop. Leave us some feedback, whatever, um, at writer's room at siftpop.com. Words are difficult. Uh, Jake, where do you want to send people to? Uh, easiest thing probably for people to do is get to my Twitter via the Sift Pop letterbox that saves you from having to spell my name. Um, <laughs> or... Um, my review for November will be The Harder They Fall, which should be dropping a couple days after this episode releases, because it comes out on Netflix November 3rd, so you can always just follow me via Twitter, via the tag on the Sif Pop uh, tweet for the review. It's true. And uh, Nick, what about you? I'm on Twitter and Letterbox at Jagged2319, and... Uh, you can read my stuff on Sif Pop as well. I did the Lower Decks Star Trek yeah. review. Uh, you're going to have to put me and Ian in a cage match to decide who does all the Star Trek reviews from now on because uh, <laughs> I'm sure between the two of us we'll have you covered. Maybe we'll do a uh, like a collaborative, you know, one of you is your conversation between the two. That could be fun. That'd be fun. Um, 
Uh, anyway, like I said, thanks guys for joining me. I uh, had a lot of fun. Um, and uh, we'll Thank do it again sometime. Us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, come back next week to hear all the thoughts with producer Phil and Joe.